This is Unfilter, episode 253, for October 4th, 2017. Well, just in, the chairman and vice chairman of the Senate Intelligence Committee, Richard Burr and Mark Warner, are about to hold a news conference during which they are expected to endorse an intelligence report that says Russia tried to interfere in the 2016 U.S. election. you from the great pacific northwest we have an intro and you know what that means it's time again for unfiltered jupiter broadcasting's weekly show about the news you shouldn't be watching i'm chase and this week i am very happy to announce that there is someone here to help balance the conversation (laughs) mr chris fisher welcome home buddy hey buddy it's really good to be back i gotta say out of all of the shows i do oh shut up which is like five or six no really this is the one i miss doing the most oh buddy i just like i sit there sometimes and it's like i'm just i'm exploding with things to say and i got i got no outlet so (laughs) thank you guys for being here (laughs) that's a loaded sentence (laughs) it is buddy it is you know what all i can say is i'm ready to go i'm fired up fired up and ready to go we got a show this week um i'm I'm gonna take a stand. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Woo! I got some things to say, and we're also gonna get them out. I, yes, but yes. Uh, yeah, I think it's gonna be really good. I think it's, it's gonna good. be cathartic. It's gonna. <laughs> we're gonna get into some cyber. We definitely have some late breaking Russia investigation news that actually just was announced as we were going on the air. Wow! And then, uh, on, although we don't, we don't typically talk about shootings in general because let's be honest, they happen all the time. Uh, we're gonna Which talk is about, sad, but yeah. We're going to talk about this Las Vegas one, and then you may have heard there's some shit going down in Spain and may not be quite clear on what it is and what's going on. We'll get you caught up on all of that. And then, again, as we go on the air, some breaking news for the high note category. That's right. Any Is it local breaking news? Both. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm good. Yep. I'm glad you got that. It is both. It yes. is both. And I, I literally got it just a few minutes ago. Uh, as I was sitting down here on the live stream. I was so, hoping you yeah, did, because I was yeah. just like, yeah, it's starting. To, things are starting to break. Yeah, so let's start as I like to do, Mr. Chase. ASL, buddy. Let's start with the cyber. And uh, there was one thing that we didn't red book it, although we should, because we've gotten out of practice. There was one thing that would have gone the red book if, if, uh, if I, if I would have been in practice. Yahoo is... Um, They've they've updated the scope of the breach oh a little bit. Oh my god. And the latest data breach in history just got bigger. Turns out every single one <laughs> of Yahoo's users, that's three billion people, were impacted. That oh. is three times as much as Yahoo originally reported. The stolen <laughs> information did not include card data or bank account uh, bank. You know the great part is is it was Verizon that had to be the bearer of bad news. That's so like right. Yahoo didn't even have to be the one to own up to it. No, you know, no. I knew that I was going to so. be the case. Of course that was going to be the so, case. So, I guess at this point every person on the planet is pretty much done for. Everybody that's got an internet account. Yeah. You got an internet account. Yeah. You're and pretty much screwed. There now there Change is, your passwords. Fox News was trying to get a, a new catchphrase to take hold, and they even created some artwork for it. Now, Chase, I think you can you can testify. Like whenever you're doing a segment, if you've gone the extra effort, even if it's crappy artwork, to make artwork, that means multiple human beings were involved in yes. the creation of a segment. And so, Fox News they've created artwork. They've brought in an expert who's a former CIA station chief, and they're warning us of the authoritarian internet. Off your op-ed, and that's you call it the authoritarian. The authoritarian internet. By the way, the pre- the report proceed the report preceding this is that uh, 
Baghdadi isn't actually dead. Oh. Remember we had, we had the yeah. report that the Russians killed Baghdadi? Yeah. Now we got a report that Baghdadi isn't dead. Oh. He was dead. Now he's not dead. Now was the original... It's just a flesh wound. Was the original report on Yahoo? <laughs> China and Russia were seeing the unmasking of what their role was in our uh, social media, Facebook and Twitter. What's oh, yeah. going on here? What is? Yeah, well, what is it? Russia and China are simultaneously very nefarious users of the internet. They're- Finally, we're mentioning China again. I miss slamming China. You know, for the last, like, 85, 90 episodes, it's been Russia, 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 Russia. And before that, it was all China, 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 China. Now we can do a little bit of spreading it around. And that, that feels like some traditional U.S. Russia and China are simultaneously very nefarious users of the Internet. They're targeting us with covert influence. Not us, though. We, we are the best. we are the, Dude, we are the best. About? No, because we invented the Internet. We have the greatest Internet. Since we invented it. We have the best internet. Nobody has better internet than us. It's the best internet in the world. We we are the best internet citizens. Number uh, one. We are not surveying and and raw dumping. We have the fastest data. We don't collect right from the fiber using a program called Prism and we monitor only, and we collect only cap everything you one do. Terabyte. We don't weaponize the Chinese cellular networks. We don't compromise no. the Russian internet. We, we don't, don't go. We after, don't use stingers to try to intercept. We don't no. intercept Cisco firewalls no. and install backdoors into the firmware. Totally we not. don't do anything like that. We have the, We are the best internet citizens ever. Russia. We're seeing the unmasking. of of what their role was in our uh, social media, Facebook and Twitter. What's going on here? What's going on, well, man? Russia and China are simultaneously very nefarious users of the, the internet. They're targeting us with covert influence operations. In China's case, they're stealing technology as well. I like that one of the things, the it's like Star Trek. This is like uh, Russia and China have become Star Trek bad guys. Where uh, you go, where the entire planet is just one thing, and that's something I love my Star Trek. But that's one thing that they do is like all of the Klingons are honor bound, <laughs> all of the Cardassians are deceptive, right? All of the Romulans, and so you have China, and only the only thing that China is doing is stealing our secrets, and then you have Russia, and the only thing that Russia is doing is trying to sow diversity, and and that's it because it's a Star Trek world, and it's just those two things. With covert influence operations, in China's case, they're stealing technology. And that's it. They're not doing anything else. Oh, that's it. Well, but they're also trying to mount um, cyber sovereignty within their own borders. Cyber sovereignty? Uh, I I like that one. I do, too. I like that. Yeah, I do, too. But we have ourselves an authoritarian Internet just on our borders. And when they target our media, there's really two aims. First is to limit its ability, limit our ability for free expression in our country. You see, the media wants to be good, Chase. The media is trying to help us. But the problem is, is that China and Russia are targeting them via the Internet. Oh. And this is the rise of the authoritarian Internet. Well, you know what we need, Chris? What we need to do is we need to lift the net neutrality rules. <laughs> if we do this, right. if, if we get rid of this, and it will increase production and also increase our Internet bill at the same sure. time, this is what sure. we need. Obviously. Yes. They limit our ability for free expression in our country, mm-hmm. uh, but also to make Somebody the farted. populace inside <laughs> China and Russia um, believe that they shouldn't have confidence in using these social media sites. They, they shouldn't. They shouldn't have confidence. All right, so there you have it. Uh, we have an authoritarian internet coming our way because Russia. And um, in the uh, meantime... some Chris, to be fair, some people would say if they have Xfinity, Xfinity as their ISP, it's already here. God, so, try, having, try living on an AT&T MiFi. It is. It maybe is. you should have used T-Mobile, Chris. I know, I know. Actually, I do. I bounce around. Uh, so we we got to talk Russia. We got to talk Russia, and we got a lot to talk about Russia. And um, I just love this story about your buddy, my friend Julian Ahon. Ahon, and uh, it's 
it's like a, it's like he's going to break WikiLeaks's golden rule. And they have the golden rule is they don't reveal their sources. That's why he hasn't said Seth Rich's name yet. Oh. And and that's a golden rule that will never be broken by WikiLeaks ever. Uh, well, unless except a maybe a Republican congressman says there is a way to prove that Russia did not meddle in the US presidential elections. And the man with the uh, solid evidence is supposedly none other than Julian Assange. <laughs> Senator Dana Rohrabacher says he met Assange in London back in August. And he- now this I have heard over and over again, that Rohrabacher met with Assange back in August and that Assange told him that they were the source of the DNC emails. He has been saying this a lot, and it's not getting a lot of play. So it's um, there's something to this. This comment about him saying this since August, he, uh, he, he had a meeting with Julian Assange. And then after that, a meeting with the Assange, he has been saying consistently that Seth or he's been saying consistently that it was an internal leak and not a hack. Dana Rohrabacher says he met Assange in London back in August and even promised him a deal, a presidential pardon in exchange for the evidence. The problem is the senator now says that he can't meet with Donald Trump. In fact, according to Rohrabacher, he's being blocked from meeting with the president. So Rohrabacher, uh, who... I had suspected for months had a back channel with Trump set up some kind of deal or was about to set up. So I should say was about to set up some kind of deal where Assange would get a pardon if he would reveal the source of the DNC emails. And then General Kelly came in as the chief of staff in the White House. And since then, Rohrbacher has not been able to communicate with Trump. Hmm. Anyways, so that was an interesting report. There is a few more minutes to that report if you'd like to check out the supporter sync. But I want to—I know you—you, I think so. I—I managed to grab the episode last week for about five minutes, and then three minutes, and then about two minutes because you're on your AT and T connection. It was the most. No, actually, I I was on a T-Mobile connection. It was the most frustrating. (laughs) Getting throttled. No, it wasn't throttled. It was was just just spotty connection. Uh, I was in Wyoming. Well, um, there's no one living in life. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, I know you talked about this story a little bit. I want to play an update to the uh, to the uh, Russia Facebook ad stuff. Oh, fair enough. New details on Russian interference in the 2016 election and how it ties to Facebook ads. Carol Lee is joining me now from New hey, York Carol. there with some of this exclusive reporting. Carol, walk us through what we are just learning. Sure. Thanks, Hallie. What we know from two people familiar with these Facebook ads, they tell NBC News that the list of states that these Russia to Russian tied ads targeted during the campaign includes not just Michigan and Wisconsin, which has been reported, but also Maryland, New York, California, Texas, Ohio and Missouri. And we just spent 35 seconds more than we really even need to. So I, I, I got to take a second here. I, I have done some digging and I've, I've seen only three ads so far. I know there are more. Uh, here's the numbers that I do know. There were 3,000 ads in total. Now, if you've never bought ads, have you ever bought ads on I Facebook? have, yeah. I've sponsored uh, listings. So you know, okay. So yeah. this, you know how this works. So you, you, can, you can go in there and you can target certain demographics of people. This is all stuff you guys know. Uh, and then you get a certain amount of impressions yeah. based on the a dollar amount that you spend. That's right. Yeah. Now, I, I, I want to just give you a comparison figure here. Uh, it, the the amount of ads on Facebook about anything from any Russian PR agency are 0.1% of the amount of money the Clinton campaign spent on Facebook ads. 
0.1%. And the only reason I mentioned the comparing to the Clinton campaign is because they are the ones that spent the most. The Trump campaign spent substantially less on Facebook ads than the Clinton campaign did. At 0.1% is the delta between the amount of money during the election that the Clinton campaign spent versus these Russian ads. Now, there's something else about this story that's 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 really peculiar to me. Russia, particular Vlad himself, Mr. Vo- Mr. Four-Dimensional Chess Player himself, Vladimir Putin, has a personal PR agency based out of New York. What? Moscow has several PR agencies based out of New York, where they actively run stories in the New York Times, the Washington Post, the Wall Street Journal. Wow. In fact, go check for yourselves, ladies and gentlemen, Vladimir Putin has written opinion pieces in the New York Times. I've, I've seen those. Yeah, I remember and those. Yeah. That is facilitated via a New York PR agency. That you have an exclusive interview with right now. Well, here's, what, here's the way it works. Guess what? We have the best advertising agencies. We have the we really do. Yeah, we have the greatest. Av- I'm not trying to be Trump here. No, it's we have true. the greatest advertising agencies. And if you want to get your message to a U.S. audience, and you are a government with an interest to do so, you hire the best U.S. advertising agencies. Well, guess what Facebook is? Guess what Google is? It's an advertising platform. So we buy ads on this to send messages, just like Chase buys ads for GeekGamer.tv, just like I have bought ads for Jupiter Broadcasting content. You buy those ads and you target an interesting demographic because that's how the platforms are monetized. That's how they make money. That's what they are designed to do. I would wager a bet, and who knows if I'm right, but I would bet you almost every damn country in the world is buying ads on Facebook. Every damn country. Think about that. I bet you every goddamn damn country that we have made up with these arbitrary borders is buying stupid internet tokens to advertise to stupid people on Facebook right now. And the only one we're talking about is Russia. You don't think the United States does this? You don't think the United States does this in the in the social media companies that are based out of Moscow? Of course they do! Of course they do. That's why these systems exist. So this whole thing about 10 million impressions and 3,000 ads... Give me a break. I've, I've had 60,000 impressions with Jupiter Broadcasting. Give me a break. Give me, I've, I've literally had more people see Jupiter Broadcasting ads than, than people have seen these Russian propaganda ads. I do not buy that this had any significant influence. I don't buy that it mattered at all. And the fact that the Podesta emails that were leaked during the election show that Facebook was working with the Clinton campaign make me think that they're still working with the Clinton campaign today Ooh. because the fact of the matter is Facebook ads don't matter. And what this story makes you think is that they do matter. This story makes you think that Facebook ads actually have influence, that Facebook ads are worth purchasing. This entire story is an advertisement for Facebook because the takeaway message is if you want to influence the masses, buy a Facebook ad. And that's bullshit. They don't work. As somebody who's bought them for years, I can tell you they don't work. They are not worth it. The amount of money you pay for a click is not worth it. The tools are moderately impressive on how you can target a person. And that's where it ends. The results suck. I would say that sometimes they'll advertise on Facebook and other entities just 
to have their echo chambers kind sure, of resolved, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, and yeah. to build up that message. So Especially not, if it's a hot button topic. Right. Yeah. So to, to say that it doesn't entirely work, sometimes what it will do is it'll, it'll keep your, your base ignited, right? It, it'll keep the people that really believe in the messages that are being sent out right. and being promoted. But, uh, but the, basic, the basic premise here is, the basic premise is that Russia bought ads to cause diversiveness in the United States. Agreed? Agreed. That's the basic premise. Right. But here's the fundamental catch-22. The way this entire Facebook advertising platform works is by targeting people that have interest in a specific thing. The ads are self-serving to that echo chamber of a thing. So if I say I am, say I am, I am extremely, uh, I am, I am extremely pro uh, trans and gay rights. And I, for me, I, I, I strongly feel that the U.S. needs to do more to support trans and gay families. And that's a strong personal opinion of mine. Then I won't see the white supremacist ads. See, the system works by targeting people that already believe the thing because that's the people that are most likely to click on the advertisement. So it's selling to people that already believe it. It doesn't cause diversiveness. It's this, that, that's a bullshit argument because it's simply just a self-reinforcing message to people that are already buying into that particular bullshit line. Right. And, but regardless, Sheriff Woody's going to save us from Facebook. <laughs> I wish I could tell you that we're going to be able to stop all interference, but that just wouldn't be realistic. Stop, stop, stop. That wouldn't be realistic because we really love your money. And, <laughs> you know, we automate these systems because it's all automated. So it'd be impossible for us to track them all That's down. That's really what he's saying. That's really what he's saying. Yeah, because and I, and I said that last week. This is all about money. Yeah, and it's it's simply that they have they want the the way Facebook makes money is by doing this at a scale that traditional media can't sell ads. Right. So when the New York Times or or NBC News sells ads, there is a sales team, there is a human inter- interaction, there is a person to person sale that happens. When Facebook sells ads, they sell tens of thousands of ads a minute. So they can sell ads at a scale that the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal and the Washington Post and ABC and NBC and CBS and and, and so on and so on. They simply cannot match that scale of ad sale that Facebook can. And the only way Facebook can have that scale is the same way that only Google and others can have that scale. And that's simply by automating the shit out of the entire thing and taking the whole human relationship out of the equation. On Monday, Facebook handed over to Congress 3,000 advertisements purchased as part of a Russian-linked influence operation 3,000 advertisements wow. on Facebook is nothing yeah, that's the not minimum five dollar type ad and I'm not kidding it's like the base minimum Congress is investigating whether those ads seen by about 10 million people interfered with the 2016 election how, how so many, 10 uh, million people <laughs> would be less than any of the nightly news broadcasts for a single night maybe the Southern California area for one night <laughs> yeah for one night one night yeah so that's the scale we're talking about here. Not a very big scale at all. 350 million people live in the U.S. Now, I don't like to sit here and say the media is doing this or that because that attributes a malice to an entire group of people that is actually uh, it's a system made up of individuals. But the people that are making this piece, they, they must know this oh, because yeah. they must have some idea of their own numbers. This that's is true. NBC News, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they must or know. CBS. Uh, oh, you're right. This is CBS. Okay, well, that's so CBS this morning is obviously very cognizant of what their ratings are versus 10 million in totality. In right. totality, Chase, 
in totality, not for one hour, not for you know, just in the entire run, they got ten million. Where they they may be, you know, uh, CBS News, a uh, nightly news could get six, seven, eight million people, ten million people a night. Yeah, but see, the the sad thing now is when you say eight to ten million in a night, for example, it's pathetic that, to what it used to be. Well, yeah, but now they they spin it as an wow, that's an incredible number, just based on the fact that there's so many more options available out there now, as opposed to there was say twenty years ago. And so they they'll say they'll say that number like, oh my god, ten million people. Yeah, back in the day, that would have been like nothing. 20 million, 30 million. That that was a bigger number. Yeah. But now this is significant in their eyes just because of the fact that there are more options. Okay. All right. Okay, that does that, that makes sense. 16 election. Congressman Adam Schiff is the top Your Democrat buddy. on the House. Yeah, friend. my good buddy. The American people really need Sheriff Woody. I, I told you Sheriff Woody's going to be in here. <laughs> You're good. He's your good friend. The Amer- so the the American people are going to be protected by Sheriff Woody saving us from Facebook ads. The American people really need, need to see these ads. Uh, they need to see just how cynical these ads are. They need to see how the Russians sought to divide us to turn American against American. Congressman Schiff says Silicon Valley needs to prove its technology protects the public from misinformation. All right, let's stop right here. Um, okay, so I want to back up so make sure we get this right. And Schiff says Silicon Valley needs to prove its technology protects the public from Silicon Valley from misinformation. I think Silicon Valley in this case is uh, is Google, Facebook. I think that's what actually they mean. Information. These algorithms can be manipulated. These searches can be manipulated uh, so that we're seeing what people want us to see rather than the true facts. And that's very destructive. Well, to our you know what? I'm entitled to agree with that remark because you've seen it firsthand with Google. Uh, I forget what you were uh, searching for. And it wasn't showing up on Google unless like it was like on the third page. But you went to a different competitor's browser and you found it. Like yeah. within the top results, yeah, it was I something. Forget. It was something. Was it a Seth Rich? Thing? It was. It was related to Seth Rich, right. but it wasn't Seth Rich right. himself. So I believe it or not, your best friend is a little right here. Yeah. To the fact that yeah, we need to make sure. Well, so that is not being curated. And like zoom that. out a little bit. You yeah. have to ask the question: If people are seeing an algorithm feed that shows them things they like, is it just nothing but a stream of confirmation bias over and over oh, and over again? That's another good point. Versus, too. so yeah. like one of the things I try to do on my Twitter feed is I specifically try to follow people that have the opposite opinion of me on some things so that way but but people yet i still respect their intelligence so that way i can hear a well articulated uh version of something that's going on and so there's some people that i think you know they're they're maybe a little chatty on twitter sometimes i follow them anyways because they are really really good at making me rethink my position on things right and when you have confirmation bias like this is one of the reasons i was really against uh, google including google plus results is it skews the data that you get back and so sheriff woody isn't completely wrong here but this is not the government's job to solve. And I'm going to say that right up front. This is not their problem. And I do not at all want to see the Russia investigation be perverted into some sort of crusade against algorithms because Sheriff Woody barely even understands what he's talking about right now. <laughs> and I think it's presumptuous to, to, to say that the, the ads had any major effect. But I think the underlying message is traditional media which survives off of advertising is coming for their asses and if they don't get their shit together and if they don't start because let's be honest 
traditional media, they'd never run ads against an ISIS video. They'd never make some of the mistakes that the automated systems make. The Russians wouldn't be able to buy ads on some of these systems just because of all of the political dynamics of the situation. So the traditional media is actually right here in that they are superior in the sense that they wouldn't have done some of these ads, the videos that run against an ISIS beheading, or, or I mean the ads that run against that video, or an ad that runs it that, that suggests that perhaps maybe you would want to know more about Parkinson's and Hillary Clinton. They would never run those ads because of their dynamics, and they, are, they might be right in this case. And so they can, they can hold this over Facebook and Google, which are their largest advertising competitors. And this is a reality they're struggling with, is that... that organizations, and when I say organizations, I mean really institutions like the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times, they used to be the number one advertising platform. If you wanted to get a message out to the American people, you bought an ad in the New York Times. And over the last seven, eight years, they are, they are tiny compared to Google. They are tiny. And uh, that doesn't go unnoticed. And I really think this part of this is about it's about fixing the disparity. It's about making it more fair to make the competition more fair. So that way Facebook and Google are held to the same standard that they are held to. I, and it's it's a sick way of doing it. Um, but let's let's talk. Let's before we go, I could go. I could talk about that for days. I, that's one of the reasons why this is a crowdfunded show. And I again, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I could talk about it for ages. I want to stay on the Russia investigation for a moment because we did get breaking news today, and it's not really anything particularly new. Yet there was a press conference held that the issue of collusion is still open. That we continue to investigate both intelligence and witnesses. And uh, that we're not in a position where we will come to any type of temporary finding on that until we've completed the process. Here's how I read that. Um, my interpretation of that is they're still trying to put put the pressure on Manafort and uh, the defense. Oh, uh Gosh, why do we do this? We blank out know. this guy's name all the time. I these know days. we do. We used to know oh, it. Uh, 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 General uh, yep. Flynn. Yeah, Flynn. Thank Flynn. You. Yeah. Gosh, man, we got to get better about that because yeah. I feel like for some reason, like we were we were talking well, about him all the time. And well, he's always on vacation, and <laughs> we don't think about it. So uh, here, let me play this back. I read this as we're still trying to put the pressure on these two guys. In a position where we will come to any type of temporary finding on that until we've completed the process. So they still haven't gotten an agreement out of one of them. Probably Flynn. We have more work to do uh, as it relates to collusion, but we're developing a clearer picture of uh, what happened. What happened? Uh, what I will confirm is that the Russian... In- what I will confirm. So there, I won't confirm what happened. I won't confirm these other things, but what I will confirm... Uh, what I will confirm is that the Russian intelligence service is determined, clever... And I recommend that every campaign and every election official take this very seriously as we move into this November's election. What kind of confirmation is that? That's uh, like saying the Mossad is I, clever well, and I, determined. I, th- I think is this his backhanded, coded way to say that they were involved? I mean, it sounds like it uh, sounds like implication. It sounds like it sounds like lawyer speak for implication. This right. is lawyer speak. We, Why can, not? we can't confirm nor deny, but we can confirm not deny. So imagine what? if this was Donald Trump giving this speech. Oh, he would not use these words. Oh, no. 
and as we move into preparation for the 2018 election. Now we've switched uh, people here. The Russian active measures efforts did not end. This is Senator Mark Warner from Virginia. He's a Democrat. On Election Day 2016. They were not only geared at the United States of America. We have seen Russian active measures take place in France. We've seen concerns. Okay, so I noticed the language change here. I think this is fascinating. So there's one, there is one other country where we constantly hear that Russians interfered, and that's France. Whenever they talk about Germany, we hear that there's concerns. We hear, we hear, we hear very, very firm sort of wording around France and the U.S., and we hear implications around Germany. Listen to how he switches his terminology when he talks about, when he, after he mentions France. Russian active measures take place in France. Russian active measures take place in France. We've seen concerns raised. We have seen concerns raised. And where are those concerns raised, ladies and gentlemen? Anybody have a guess? They're raised in the media. And where do those stories come from in the media? Well, they come from anonymous sources in the intelligence agency. Well, geez, what does that sound like? Isn't that funny how that works? So they can't say that there have been any active measures. They can't say there's been any attacks. But they can say there's been concerns raised because, well, there's been anonymous sources that reported to the media, and then the media lapdogs reported those anonymous sources without questioning it. Take place in France. We've seen concerns raised in the Netherlands. We've seen concerns raised in Germany. And we need to be on guard. I think there is... Uh, large consensus that they hacked into political files. Now watch how carefully he is being. Listen how carefully he, he is, is being tiptoeing right now. Right. Already now, there's going to be a moment where they ask him something else, and all of a sudden the words just start flowing. Hacked into. Hacked into. Political files. So hacked into in this definition would be uh, John Podesta clicked on an email link that invited him to reset his password. Then John Podesta forwarded that email link to his IT department, his IT guy. His IT guy then said back, said, back, said yes, that, that looks legit, you should do it. And then John Podesta clicked it, put his password in there. Then uh, 4D chess player Vladimir Putin, who had prearranged his strike army even before Donald Trump was the general candidate, then went in and sucked out all of the email out of John Podesta's account. They sit there and they went through the best stuff. They had a good time. They, they smoked some Russian cigars and they drank some Russian vodka and they read all of John Podesta's emails. And then they took the best stuff, the really good stuff. The one to talk about raping children, you know, that the really good stuff. Oh. And they sent that off to uh, WikiLeaks. And then Vladimir Putin, because, again, 40 chess player before Donald Trump was even considered the general candidate, called up uh, Julian Assange and said, I would like you to release these emails on these very specific days because in seven months from now, on a Friday, I'm going to release a pussy tape about Donald Trump releasing women, grabbing people by the pussy. And then we're going to also release a whole batch of email like we're just going to screw with everybody and cause division got to make sure we and then and then what vlad did in this email because this was an email is he he made division underscored and bold <laughs> we've got to cause division and he sent that off to julian assange and then julian assange read his instructions from the 4d chess player 4d chess player vladimir putin and released the emails on a very specific time cadence designed specifically to harm hillary clinton so that's what he means by the russians hacked hacked into 
political files. That's what that one that one phrase means. All of that. Release those files via a scheduled strategy with their weaponized Russian WikiLeaks. An effort to influence the election. Because they thought if they just did it at just the right time via just the right mechanism, WikiLeaks, which everybody reads, obviously, so if you publish it there, it's going to get coverage. And that will influence the general American voter before they go into the booth because you're releasing this in October before November. We think they actively tried to at least test the vulnerabilities of 21 states electoral systems. Now what's so what's so great about that particular claim right now in the DHS 21 states is uh, this was recorded today. This was recorded right before we went on air. <laughs> And the funny thing is, that entire 21-state narrative fell apart two days ago. I remember. The yeah. Intercept has a great piece on it right now. I have it linked in the show notes. Uh, California has disputed this. Uh, Michigan. Other states have said, this is crap. This number doesn't is not real. We were, they, they, they weren't going after our election. This was, the, the, just read the article. The entire 21-state's narrative has completely collapsed. And yet these two non-political sons of bitches, apparently, are standing up here quoting that number right now today. Even though the states themselves that the DHS claims were affected have released statements uh, saying that that's not true. Chris, uh, their email hasn't been working for the past two days. <laughs> well, they could go check the unfiltered show notes because it's uh, all linked okay. there. Yeah, good. The vulnerabilities of 21 states' electoral systems. We can certifiably say. Now, here he goes. Now, certify. Certi- now, and watch all of a sudden the words. They just start coming. That no vote totals were affected. That the tallies are accurate, the outcome of the election based upon the count of votes, um, they they did not in any way, shape, or form that we've been able to find alter that. That's the one thing they seem to always say confidently over and over again. Over and over. So why did they hold that press conference? Uh, what was new? What new was said there? Basically, to show that they're still there. I mean, really, other than that, there was really not a lot. So uh, I think this would be a good spot to talk about some of the feedback we got from last week's episode. Before we get into it, I want to say a big thank you to you, producer Matt, and to the beard, because uh, hosting this show is is not easy. I've been doing this for a long time, and I know you've been doing podcasting for a long time, and hosting this kind of show is a challenge like no other. And um, so I really appreciate that you even just gave it a go. Even even just like fright, straight up just that right there. But uh, there was a, a lot of criticism about the episode. And uh, I, I... Can I say something first before we get into that yeah. part? Yeah. So, so first off, uh, internally for me personally, I've been doing this podcasting thing for 12 years, okay? And obviously my passion uh, started off and still is in technology and in gaming topics. Yep. And I've done a lot of YouTube videos on my own where I review things and, and talk about things. Uh, but I've done a lot of podcasts as well where people download and I've never done a, a show solo before to be, to wow. be, I'm dead serious. I mean, you've done like unboxings. You've done, Oh yeah. Yeah. I've done like episodes, quick seven or eight things. 
I've never done a full like one hour show by myself. Yeah, it is a thing to talk for like that long. Yeah. So my by the way, my wife was in the studio during the show, just hanging out. <laughs> and after the show, she was like, "I cannot believe you could just stand there and just talk for an hour." Yeah. And I'm like, "Well, you know, I, I learned from the best." No. Uh, <laughs> but that being said, um, it was one of those things personally for me that I needed to do just so I I can get that out of the way, like. It is a challenge. It's, it's a, a personal challenge. challenge. And, you know, it's like it, going up on stage. Yeah, absolutely. And it was one of the. It was a minor stage fright thing. But once we got the technical uh, things out of the way, and like well, you said, I don't. Big, I wouldn't undersell props. that either. So, I'm not. I'm not going to. And this is not Chris making uh, an excuse or an apology for what I'm about to say. But uh, I know that you guys did face some technical challenges before you go on air. And the 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 only downside, the thing that's really sort of unfortunate about that, is it robs you of. A moment of Zen before you go on air to think about what you're about to do. That's true. Because instead, yeah. you have to go into total troubleshooting mode. I've got to figure out what's wrong with this. Oh, and by the way, uh, we only discovered this was a problem after we were live on air, and so I've got to also vamp on a live stream. <laughs> and that is a but that is a type of challenge that you've never really considered until you experience it. So yeah. that was what your pre-show experience was. Yeah. Now. Um, I will say this. Uh, I I listened to the show in bits. I have not heard the whole show. But the very beginning, I could tell you were stressed. And I could tell that by the first clip, I knew you were going to get criticism. I knew you were going to hear about it. Uh, because what happened is, and it's totally normal, especially for that situation, is you went into hosting mode. And you you started stories out without historical context of the show and so uh people responded to that in a really negative way and it's kind of unfortunate because i don't think you really deserved it because you were you were dealing with a lot of you weren't just you weren't just playing commentator at that point you were dealing with switching cameras getting the sound levels right doing the intro getting the stream working like it's a whole nother level of thinking and so I think what triggered people was like setting up the Russia story and saying and, and giving it like a con- not giving it the context of. This is probably a bogus story that which may have some true elements to it. And instead, it can it came across to the audience as well, as you clearly know, the Russians in, have interfered with the election completely. And that's what the audience took away, because your head wasn't just 100 percent into the story. Your head was in like 30 different places. Right. And there's no way around that. Like, no. there's just no way around that, especially when you have a technical challenge ahead of time. So I want people to consider that Chase was put in a, in a, in a particularly challenging situation because this is a, this is a particularly hard show to do. The, the one thing I, I think mean, that's, what, that's what people latched onto and thought that you had a bias was because you, you approached it more from, like, Chase, radio guy Chase. Like, you know, you went into like a default of trained mode of like, I'm presenting, and you were in presenter mode, which came across to people different than co host mode. Right. And and this is something I, I, I really wanted to touch on. And I and I try not to feed trolls. And, uh, you know, I and I actually, as uh, one of the comments uh, called me, called me something. Uh, one of the the great trigger words of, uh, I would say, <laughs> of, the, of the current generation of politics. And I, I did not re-engage. Um, some people are, uh, you know, went out and called me very biased, and that since I work for the lame street media, which yeah, I have disclosed on the show many times that yes, I work for a news uh, organization. I don't make the news; I I fix the news. <laughs> uh, now that being said, I, I do want to say a couple things. So, so first off, 
I believe that in everything that we see on television and in the news, and we say it's the news that you shouldn't be watching, uh, there are very, very hardworking people behind the scenes and even in front of the camera that their entire objective is for the truth. And if it wasn't for this quote-unquote lamestream media, we would not know about anything that is going on. We would not know about what is happening in your local neck of the woods and mayoral scandals and tax reforms and things of that nature. And it really chaps my hide when people say, well, gee, you know, you're just believing everything that they say. Well, I work with a lot of these people on a daily basis, and they are very passionate about the truth and about journalism and about getting the right words out there and engaging in that dialogue and for and for me you know you can't call me biased just because you disagree with what i say i am very fluid i enjoy a a conversation that is engaging and thought-provoking and having that ability to say you know what i never thought of that perspective before you know what you might be right i'm willing to flex and i'm willing to listen but when you start off with uh, with that constructive criticism by calling me a name, everything yeah. you say after that is going to trigger you. It, well, it's, it's not just, just a trigger. I'm not even going to acknowledge it right. because you're already coming at this at, at an attack angle. Maybe so, I said something to you that triggered you, and this is how you're handling it towards that me. That is absolutely a possibility, and I don't want to diminish that point by by raising the devil's advocate position because I think you are. Totally right. That is actually what happens all the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I will give you this. So consider that uh, for them, what happened was while you were in hosting mode, uh, you may have presented a topic in a way that sounded like uh, closer to a, a narrative that they are not listening to the show to hear. So if you say something to the extent of... Uh, as you well know, or I, I don't know. I, I, my point is, is I think they reacted strongly because they felt like um, it was a different chase. That's all. I felt like I think people in the, at the end of it felt like it was just a different chase, and it wasn't. Uh, it was like a chase that was like out of time, as if you just came I, into the show for the first time. I think I, I really trip up a lot of people because I don't fit one direction or the other. There are times that I am right. There are times that I am left. Yeah. Uh, you know, there there. People want me to fit into one category, and I am not that kind of guy. Uh, you know, my wife is like, "Whoa, you know, you were a registered Republican once," and I'm like, "Yeah, I probably was because I was voting. Uh, I lived in California, and you had to register for a party to vote for the candidate that you wanted to vote for. It was stupid, but I I had to register Republican. Now, I'm not saying Republicans are bad. I'm not saying Democrats are bad. I'm just saying." I'm fluid, okay, people. I'm fluid, and there are <laughs> and there are times. Whoa, whoa, buddy, whoa! And there are times that you know what I've analyzed the information and evidence, and I know it's so easy right now to crap on the media, and we do it all the time on this show. And I will crap on them as much as anyone else does. But there, you have to sometimes consider, even though they're trying to spin in a certain way, there is an ounce of truth in there. There is there is truth, and that's what we're trying to sniff out. And we're trying to express and talk about, you know, and that's I did my best and I definitely want to do it again sometime whenever we have to. Um, It's one of those things where, you know, I appreciate the audience tremendously and I did get a lot of good constructive feedback, positive feedback. And yes, I read the negative feedback, too. And if you want to engage in a conversation, I'm all for it. But, you know, starting off with names, not going to work for me. Yeah, no kidding. Right. Yeah. Um, I want to uh, I want to move now to uh, we have a few more things I feel like this this episode there's so much we so much we could talk about this week honestly uh, I could honestly just see a whole episode talking about Twitter 
you know, you just have like all the things people say on Twitter, like Donald Trump and stuff like you just like that's what basically uh, Morning Joe does. They just sit around and talk about Twitter. Just just grab, just grab the stuff. So we're going to talk about the other stuff. And I I think it's important that we spend a moment talking about uh, Russia for a little bit. Uh, So we talked about that. I think it's important we talk about the cyber stuff. So we'll talk about that. I think we should definitely talk about Spain in a moment. But first, I want to talk about what happened in Las Vegas. And uh, this this shooting is 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 responsible for a new level of discussion (laughs) in the U.S. right now. In a matter of seconds, a country music festival turned tragic, a storm of gunfire raining down upon an innocent crowd. He was shooting everybody, and there was dead people everywhere, and I don't even know what was happening. There was just, he was just shooting randomly. It started at 10.08 p.m. First reports of shots fired as singer Jason Aldean performed. Initially, there was confusion, many wondering if the sounds were part of the show. It's fireworks. It's fireworks. Stop. It's fireworks. But they quickly realized what was happening. We have an accurate shooter. We have an accurate shooter inside the fairgrounds. A gunman perched on the 32nd floor of the Mandalay Bay Resort had opened fire on 22,000 concert goers. We've got about 40 to 50 people were pinned against this wall. All of them scrambling to find shelter wherever they could. And then one after the other. And we were laying down on the floor. I didn't know to get up, to run, to, to stay, to duck. Get down, get down. At 11.20, an hour and 12 minutes after the shooting began, the SWAT team busted into the gunman's hotel room. The audience on the 32nd floor, SWAT has explosive breach. Everyone in the hallway needs to move back. All units move back. Breach, breach, breach. Inside, they found 64-year-old Stephen Paddock dead. The sheriff says he killed himself. Authorities initially sought Paddock's girlfriend, Mary Lou Danley, but quickly learned she was out of the country, saying she was not a suspect. Right now, we believe he is the sole aggressor at this point, and the scene is static. Law enforcement officials believe Paddock fired out of two adjoining rooms, using a device similar to a hammer to smash the windows. Authorities say they found more than a dozen weapons inside those rooms. As the chaos unfolded, our team was actually staying in the Mandalay Bay Tower under lockdown. There are flashing red and blue lights everywhere as this area has been flooded by police and emergency responders. We were six floors above the gunman, who was on the 32nd floor of the hotel, firing across Las Vegas Boulevard toward the concert. The stage 400 yards from the hotel, with the crowd gathered in front, many then fleeing to the... So we have, let's stop here. So we have 59 dead, we have 500 plus injured, and I believe the total at the concert was damn near 22,000. Do those yeah. numbers sound... Yeah, I've heard anywhere from twenty to 30,000, but still a large number of people. Um, and so as a result of this, this mass number, I assume, of people, there has been a... Uh, well, how would you describe the amount of video from this event that we have seen? Like, I feel like I have never seen the mainstream media play this more, and I've also just never seen like the even like the social media stuff, like just tons of videos. Well, like yeah, the whole I mean, spectrum is just like video, I mean, video, 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 video. Well, you video had a lot of event. people that were just taping the concert, you know, and, right. ju- and just doing it for social or media. Or were up in their, their hotel it. rooms taping it or whatever. Right, and just, and, you know, and just having a great time. This was the, the last act of a big country music uh, weekend. And um, it, it kind of affected me a little bit just Did because it? I, well, yeah, because I mean, super I, sad. 
I lived there. I uh, oh yeah, okay. Um, I actually yeah, and the listener Seth lives there too. I've been thinking about Seth all week. Yeah. Um, and I've actually been to that property, and it's a beautiful property, and uh, it it sucks. It sucks very hardcore because super hardcore dude. Be, because you know you're. You know, you're having a great weekend. It was a three-day festival, and you know you're winding down. Uh, one of our actual news producers was at the festival, but she left early be- to catch a flight to come home. <sighs> it's, it's. I when I looked at my phone because I kind of glance at the headlines when I wake up in the morning, and I was I was like, what? Yeah, I, I, same. I, I, I was too. Yeah, because I was on my trip. I couldn't believe it. Mm-hmm. I, I I was just <sighs> yeah. So I uh, one of the first things I always always do. Uh, is I always go into unfilter mode and I immediately start collecting clips and I immediately bring up things like police scanners. One six nine same means we got shots fired at four fifteen A at the Route two ninety one sounded like an automatic firearm. So this is the very first moments of the incident. Halfway up. I see the shots coming from Mandalay Bay. Halfway up. You can really hear the panic in his voice. Well, I mean, it totally just. I mean, there's been you know reports this guy had anywhere from seven to ten minutes of just uninterrupted shooting time. Yeah, I've seen some videos that basically go the whole span. Yeah, yeah. And I just, I mean, think how helpless you're feeling in that. I mean, you're you're a police officer, and the majority of those guys and gals out there are are truly public servants. And you're seeing people getting hurt, and you're, there's nothing you can do because you don't know what, what what's going on, where is it coming from. Oh, God. It's just... <sighs> so I want to talk about a few weird things because I feel like uh, all of every single nook and cranny of this story is going to be plastered all over the media for the next few days. Yeah. And uh, there are things about this story that I find completely completely befuddling and i don't know what to do uh so like i said i i listened to the police scanner and so there are things in an emergency situation that are just chaotic and things show up on police audio that the internet can run away with and i don't know if it's true i don't know if it's not true but uh there are things that well can lead to fake news i suppose coming to us so we're gonna have an eight on the 30 second floor we will need the 29th floor. So the police on the police scanner are talking about the two two different floors. I don't know if this audio is legitimate or not, but there's two floors being talked about. 32nd, 29th floor here. It sounds like it's confirmed there are at least two shooters with fully automatic weapons. And so there was there was there's audio on the internet being circulated about two shooters, which has led to tons of speculation. Now, when I watch the videos, what I see is a shooter that had two different positions and he switched between them. Well, and you know, if you look at the some of the chopper shots uh, immediately after, and you could see the broken windows. Definitely yeah, two distinctive, room. yeah, yeah. Joining, yeah. Now, okay, so that I the the like you know the police scanner recordings that are going that are circulating online, they may be they may be false, they may be fake because it's easy to fake that kind of stuff, and they may be legitimate, and they may just be uh, in the heat of the moment because two different windows were broken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but there was one, there was one interview that I can't shake, and I'm wondering if you've seen it because to me. I don't I don't know what to make of this and I I fancy I know I say this all the time. I fancy myself a bit of a body language expert and when I watch her body language, this is not somebody who is deceiving. This is somebody who is recalling and it's emotionally affecting her and I don't know what to make of this. Yeah, so there's a lady 
Now, this is a recording of a recording, so I apologize about the audio. But so the, there's a reporter for the local Channel 3 affiliate for NBC at Las Vegas interviewing somebody that was in the concert. And uh, I, I, again, I apologize for the bad audio, but try to hear it. Lady who pushed her way forward into the concert venue into the first row, and she started messing with another lady and told us that we are all going to die tonight. Do you, see, do you see how she almost started crying when she said that? Yeah. Like, she she begins, when she talks about this, she recalls it to a level that is so emotionally impactful that she almost begins to cry on camera because it's that scary to her. Yeah. Because her life was saved because this lady warned her that somebody was going to start killing people. Her lady it told us that we were all going to die tonight. We were all going to die tonight. And she... That is not the face of somebody that's deceiving you. That is some. That is the face of somebody who is about to start crying. Like, oh my god, yeah, right. We're all gonna die tonight. And then she takes a deep breath. She pulls back. Like she is like struggling trying to, to compose herself. Yeah. Do you know why she was saying that? I mean, was this after the shots were fired, or it was about forty-five minutes before the shots were actually fired? Forty-five minutes before the shots were actually fired, this woman came in there and said, "You're all going to die tonight." And she was escorted out by security. She was drugged out by security. And then she again, do you see again she does it? Yeah. She's really fucking wrecked by this. So I have a perspective, I guess. Just so, I mean, first off, I'm not going to, I'm not questioning any of that occurring, okay? I'm just looking at context here for a moment. Lady was at the show, said these things, and then was escorted out, okay? I'm yeah. just talking about that that aspect. Do we know if that lady was under the influence of anything? Right. I've, I've, I, the only reason why I say this, and I mean alcohol or right, cannabis or, or whatever. Just be some crazy person. Because, because honestly, drunk people can say the weirdest things, right? right? Especially when you have a crowd of 22,000. Exactly. So now. Then now, again. Now, 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 hold on. Now, so that, let's say that, let's say the person was drunk or whatever, said those things, right? Okay. Then this, then the shooting happens. It's going to freak you the F oh, out. Oh, for sure, dude. Right? So. Whether the lady that that you know was legit, like connected, or just whacked out, poor girl, poor person, poor everybody. I mean, but man, that that's gonna mess you. That's gonna mess you up for a while. For life, yeah, for yeah. life. And uh, regardless, and and then to have she left. By the way, oh well, that's yeah. why she's alive. She left yeah. when that woman warned her. She left. Um, uh, and then okay, so but that's weird. But who knows? There's a million different explanations for yeah. that. The, I want to talk about something else. Okay. I I I feel like we have glossed over this as a people, and your unfilter show needs to take a moment and unpack something that happened here around this entire shooting that I think is a really big deal because it applies to all of the other things that have happened to us recently. Catherine, interesting. Uh, the question was asked about the girlfriend who's out of the country. Yes. We thought she was in the Philippines. Uh, the sheriff's saying she's in Tokyo, right. and they're not done with that part of the investigation. Hold on. That's just that's just extra bonus info we'll get to. Also, the gun dealer, one of them came forward from Arizona, uh, who said he sold some of the weapons to this man. I'm glad you picked up on this girlfriend, uh, Mary Lou Danley. That seems to be one of the significant shifts in the way that authorities in Las Vegas are discussing her. Earlier today, they seemed to indicate that she had no 
no part in this attack. But now they're saying that there's currently an ongoing investigation. She is out of the country. They're waiting for her return. Before I came to the studio, a law enforcement contact said to me that they do have the ability to question her by one of their legal attaches. She's actually in the States now. Overseas. But they seem to anticipate that she would willingly return to the United States. She already has. To take yeah. questions. And quick- now, there is a rumor going around that the shooter, and I don't, I actually, I don't know how you feel about this, but I'd actually prefer, I don't know about these, I don't know about, I mean, the clip, we, uh, I haven't actually screened the clips for this particular aspect. I just thought of this. I'd like to not say his name. Um, uh, I was, I was watching Philip DeFranco and uh, he's, and I think I agree with him. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't really want to give these guys any kind of credibility or credence or, or any historical importance. Uh, he was a shooter. He's a psychopath shooter. And um, there's an there's an aspect to this story that they're about to get to that I think is 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 worth is worth talking about a little bit because it has long term ramifications and historical ramifications. We had ISIS twice today. Claimed that Paddock was a soldier for them twice. ISIS claimed responsibility. By the way, this is the first time I've heard that. I'm dead serious. What? I'm dead serious. I probably have at least four, maybe five links in the show notes about this. This has like been a big story. Are you well, I, I never heard about the. I'm dead serious. Yeah. Well, also uh, Antifa claimed responsibility. Did you see that? No. Yeah. Well, one offshoot of Antifa did oh. today. Claimed Correct. that Paddock was a soldier for them and had converted to Islam. So I, uh, I, I, I genuinely and 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 just straight up ask you. Uh, wow. How many times have we heard that somebody was a recent convert to Islam? They've been radicalized via the internet, yeah, and that many I- times, and ISIS attempted to do it again. Yeah. The authorities are not saying that there is a known motive yet. In fact, since here, since this, the FBI has come out and said, no, 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 no. There's no ISIS tie. That's bullshit. There's no Antifa tie. That's bullshit. Everybody just wants to have a piece of the pie. Now, let's talk about that girlfriend for a moment. And can you help us make sense of some of the terminology? Person of interest. Right. The phrase person of interest is not a legal phrase. Did you know that? I, ha- I honestly no. just assumed it was. I never even checked into it. I just assumed person of interest because it's government officials no, that use that term. It's a, a name of a TV show. <laughs> and judges shy away from it because it has different meanings to different people. It's a phrase, candidly, that the media uses. I th- candidly means, by the way, we've been fucking up for a while. It's a phrase, candidly, that the media uses, I think, generally to refer to somebody that the government wants to talk to. Now, sometimes the government uses that as a, uses that as a dog whistle. So-and-so's a person of interest. Mm. They know it. They hear us mm-hmm. saying it. Maybe they'll come in. Sometimes they have suspicions about this person, and they want to talk to them, hoping that they'll say something that will raise the level of suspicion up to probable cause, which will permit an arrest. But it is not a technical, defined or refined term. Good. And which is funny because you hear it over and over again about this girlfriend, just over and over again. And, yeah. she, and this news actor is about to use it. To know. Uh, so she is back in the United States now. Uh, right. This person of interest. Has right. She just used it. <laughs> female companion, Mary Lou Danley. Um, obviously, she could be a big piece to this puzzle at this point. Do you know, was she in Tokyo or did she come from the Philippines? Philippines. Okay, so that was true. Because I read that he wired a shit ton of money. $100,000. You didn't know about that? See, <laughs> No, 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 no. I'm just surprised you knew about that because if you didn't hear about this, I'm surprised you heard about that. Like, yeah. It's, how did you hear about that? I... <laughs> so, he, so that is something that, okay. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, like he wired her $100,000, and she also made a comment that she thought that he was breaking up with her because he said to her, use this $100,000 to go buy a house down there yeah. for the family. So do you want to know what the – and I, I am not saying that the Year on Filter show subscribes to this, but I do know what the bacon – like the – I have I have surveyed so all did, of the I great bacon. It, I knew you brought bacon back with you oh, from buddy, New York. You, I, I, I'm pretty sure – actually, now that I look, I look at the soundboard, I'm not sure I did. Oh, OMG, OMG, OMG. No I know, bacon. I know. I know. You know what? Uh, but what I, you know what? I could I – could, I flash back. I feel it now. To my time in New York when I was bacon shopping. And you know what I saw? <laughs> what you see? Uh, it's <laughs> lots of bacon. Uh, you know, I guess, I guess so. <laughs> I just like, the, I guess the the theory, the theory that is being floated around, the, the the theory I would say that has the most weight online is that, uh, and I'm not saying I subscribe to this, but the theory goes that this guy was an arms dealer to ISIS, and that the deal went bad, and he was pissed off so where are you pulling this bacon from like or is this just you just no you, no no not me no 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 this is this would be this is this is this is your host's meta-analysis of probably 30 or 40 different different bacon sites okay. regarding this and if i were to say there is one consensus theory right now is that this guy was an isis arms dealer now Ooh. why do they say that well uh there was 23 weapons he had including modified rifles <laughs> We have new details about the shooter and the hotel room. He turned into an elaborate kill center. Thousands of bullets stockpiled in bags, at least 23 guns and platforms that were set up by the windows to view down on his victims. 23 guns. Now, uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's a huge number. But uh, what's even more remarkable about the number is the guns are really fucking expensive guns. Like, oh, yeah. Like, I'm not a gun guy, but I did some research on these guns, and we're talking like... One of these guns is like a thirteen thousand dollar gun with wow, the, yeah, holy crap, yeah, with the yeah, I mean, and that's one of the guns. Uh, so it is probably. I did some quick napkin math. I figured he had at least thirty thousand dollars worth of guns, not even including ammo. Thirty thousand dollars of guns in this hotel room. Ten bags of guns. Do you want? Do you? Did you hear me? Ten. It's yeah. This yeah, this this guy brought in ten. <laughs> bags of guns into his hotel room Holy now crap. i just brought in three bags into a hotel room and i had to have the bellhop help help me with every single one of them so i couldn't even imagine bringing 10 suitcases of guns and ammo into a hotel room that's a phenomenal number to me 30 and this is my napkin math looking up the gun numbers and parts and and, and thirty thousand dollars of gun equipment before you've even bought ammo all brought into a hotel room and now I, I heard something that he was using either like a golf bag or something like that, you know, like a, mm. a big, you know, a big bag that has golf clubs in it, but yeah. it, you're not using it okay. for that purpose. A, and, you know, you put he, your long rifles in and, there. And, right. <laughs> right. And he checked in, I think, a few days prior. So, I mean, there was a lot of setup yeah. time. It was interesting. The type of gun he was using is banned in Nevada. So the, and then he modified them to, to act more like an automatic With, with the bump stocks. Yes. Yeah. All of that. I, I, what, what I find ironic about that, and tell me if you agree, because maybe I'm wrong, but I find ironic that this has like, this has sparked, and we're going to get into this more, but this has sparked like a new level to the gun debate that I think is, that has just has a whole new level of traction. And the irony of the entire thing was, is that he was using weaponry that was banned by law. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's, like, do you, do you see, do you see the irony? They're like, we're talking about tightening gun laws, and he was already breaking the existing gun laws considerably by doing this. Right. And and that's where you get into the debate of, well, the tightening of gun laws is only going to hurt law-abiding citizens. I don't even like right? that. I feel like that's... I or feel like is we, that what they... I don't I mean, know. That, is that the argument, usually? I, I Yes, but I feel like... Uh, I don't know. Maybe as I get more, like, hippy-dippy about it, I start to think, like... So I spent some time with friends from the UK, and I they are they just think we're crazy. We, they think we are so fucking nuts when it comes. to I have to a guns. friend from Australia that feels the same yeah. way. <laughs> and uh, but you know, to me, like, isn't it? So I just talked about this in user error last week. Um, so the hotel room I stayed in has has windows that are designed specifically to prevent me from committing suicide. I have no intention at the moment of committing suicide. And I wouldn't jump out of that of that hotel room and commit suicide because it would create a considerable inconvenience for the folks down below. And yet, I'm not kidding. I was fucking offended by the fact that they tried to prevent me from committing suicide. That does actually offend me. To- I had no intention. Yeah. I wouldn't have done it. And fuck them for not letting me do it. Well, how do you feel about, you know, to bring it down to a local level, how do you feel about them adding the extra suicide fence on the Aurora Bridge to prevent people from jumping? You know, that's different because there is a cost to the community when you do it in a public space like that. And I agree, again, like I would not jump out of that hotel room. I know, but isn't that the same cost just as equal there for the people that are down below the hotel? Yeah. I, I, I guess what it to me feels like is like in when you try to prevent what people put in their bodies or you try to prevent what people do with their bodies... It's futile. It's a futile endeavor, and your biological and individual distinctiveness will eventually adapt to our own. All right, Borg. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, anyways, so uh, this whole this whole gun debate to me feels sort of ironic. In I I think the in light debate, of the fact that he was using weapons that were illegal in that the, area. The debate I think is pretty simple. I honestly, it's it's it. There, I heard somebody's reasoning about this, and it, it seems a, a pretty good reasoning. Shootings and these kind of things is is almost like trying to control the weather. You're not going to stop it. Now, the question you have, I mean, because you're not. I think right now because of our Second Amendment. I think we are. No, no. I think we are sick as a society. I think we are perversely sick. I think we have become isolated, individualized. I think the fact that most of us go to jobs that don't make a fucking difference, that are grinding it out so that way you can pay for your house, so that way you can pay for your car, so that way you can go to work, so that way you can buy groceries. Millions of us have been fucked since 2008, and it's gotten worse and worse. And I'm sorry I'm swearing so much, but it is true. It it has gotten—we are—there's no better descriptor than the F word— for what's happened since since the recession of 2008. Yeah. You know, Chase, I mean, I mean, just not to make this real for a moment, I I live in a space that doesn't have running water and this morning I lost power. I don't have running water or reliable power where I live right now. And I I have it I have it good. I have it good. Like, I'm actually in a pretty good position compared to what a lot of people have to deal with. And so, so when we, when we, when we talk about, like, all of these other huge issues, I feel like that the, the fundamental issue is our society is fucking sick. 
It is, it is, it is, it is, it is suffering from a systemic sickness and a rot that has affected us for about 38, 39 years right now. And until we address that, until we make people feel like they belong, until people, until people feel like they're a part of a community, until people feel like they contribute, until people feel like their life matters and they have something to offer, the, those of us who are imbalanced are going to do really awful things. And the bigger that disparity becomes, the more egregious those things are going to be. Well, first thing we need to do is stop uh, treating mental health. And I'm not trying to be like a talking point here, but stop treating mental health like it's a toxic subject. We all well, have spectrums of mental right, health. And right. that's, we're all human. Right. And and but But what happens is, you know, Oh, you went to the therapist today? What are you crazy? That kind of crap needs to stop. You know, and I, I have a so just, you're right, and I, I want to make uh, to underscore your point. There is something that's happening right now to Jim Carrey, and it, oh, I know that whole yeah. Jim Carrey's going on about how he's not even he doesn't exist. There is no Jim Carrey. He isn't a real person. There is no. Th- and he is being ridiculed. He is being marginalized. He's being called the narcissist. He's being attacked simply because he happens to perceive things differently than the mainstream. And that, in some weird way, personifies exactly what our problem is. And, and it is such a systemic issue that these shootings affect the United States because the issue is the worst here. It is, we are the epicenter of capitalism and a melting pot of cultures and society. And we are rampant with rock star CEOs and developers who make incredible amounts of money compared to the rest of us. Like the United States is the epicenter of all of it. And so we are experiencing, we, we are experiencing, we are, we are, we are in the midst. We are in the midst. We're like in the eye of the storm. Yeah. And we are experiencing like the absolute ramifications of that extreme. And these shootings are a result of that. And guess what? It is our burden to bear. Our generation and my three kids generation will all participate in figuring this clusterfuck out. And the worst, worst thing about it is, the absolute worst thing about it is, in my personal opinion, is we are just at the beginning. It's just going to get worse. The division, the fighting, the different perceptions of reality and facts, it's just going to get worse for a little while. And and it's just the that's just the natural cycle of things. Yeah, guess what? Until I if I were going to put a long term my longest term red book prediction, it's going to be this way until about 2033. That's my longest red book prediction based on all of the historical stuff I have read, all of the books I have read, all of the things that I have tr- all of the trends I have followed. It's it's just yeah. going to be this way until about 2033. It's- when I, Trump is the chaos candidate yeah. that is a representation of the problem and not actually the problem. Donald Trump is not the problem. Donald Trump is a symptom of the problem. And this problem is not going away until some serious fucking things change. And we are just at the beginning of those changes. So let's talk about how we're going to discuss guns now. 
because the people who like to lead the conversation just want to make it a conversation about guns. I'm Carly Shimkus with Fox 411. Late night talk show hosts calling for stricter gun laws in the wake of the Las Vegas shooting. Jimmy Kimmel opened his show by calling out politicians who support the National Rifle Association, saying they should be asking God to forgive them for letting the gun lobby run the country. Stephen Colbert addressed the president directly, saying he doesn't owe Republicans anything. He also asked the president to pray for the courage to enact tougher gun laws. British-born James Corden diving into the gun control debate as well by asking how every other developed country does a better job at preventing these attacks, adding some say it's too early to talk about gun control for those victims last night. You know, you can sit there with your British accent and have your moral high ground, but uh, guess what? The United States is just a warning signal of what's coming your way. More motherfuckers are going to get knifed in the face. Whatever weapons people have, they're going to use. It, the thing is, is the United States is the epicenter of the actual problem. It's a cultural problem. It's a Western problem. And that's really the issue. It's a Western problem. And what's the epicenter of the West? Well, it's us. It's the states. So we experience it here the most. And the, the conversation needs to be right now not about gun laws, but what we need to do to make these individual, individuals feel connected to these people so that they're not compelled to kill them. If they, don't, if they don't objectify these people, and if they could humanize these people, if they could connect with these people, they wouldn't murder them. And until we can, until we can bridge that, we're not going to solve this problem. And it's fun to mock the United States and their Yankee laws and their fucking crazy constitution. But the reality is it's a systemic cultural problem of the West. And until we solve those cultural problems of the West, we're going to be killing each other. And it doesn't matter if it's guns or knives or pipe bombs or drones with explosives, which would be my preferred method. It's going to happen. And and and. I guess there is there is there's definitely room to have discussion about some adjustments to gun laws like like these like these modifications like, like what the, the fuck right yeah the, like get rid of that shit to take a, a legal weapon and turn it into a, a illegal yeah. one yeah yeah like make that or you know like limit the amount of rounds you can have sure okay whatever I don't have a dog in this hunt I don't own a gun um, I, I don't have a dog so whatever like I don't really care but to to presume that modifications to these laws are going to stop this problem. That's arrogant. That's arrogant and it's dangerous because we're just going to have way more killings. And of course, what will actually happen is the only thing the government has control over, and that's physical security. So the only actual practical result we will get is the federal government will mandate that these casinos and all other locations start screening and have metal detectors and have TSA-like agents and and that is the only thing that's going to happen from this. The gun laws can be adjusted. The killings will continue. But what we are going to see is an increase in the police state. And all of these stupid, asshole, late night talk show hosts that are so funny and get their clips up on YouTube on the trending page. What they're advocating will eventually result in additional screening every time you go to Las Vegas. Every time you go into a hotel room. And it won't affect them because they're in that leadist class and they can just go right past it. They don't look at the ramifications of what's going to happen to you and me and most of everybody that listens to our show. I don't fly anymore. I really try not to. I, really, I will fly if I have to, but I, I do not fly 
because I, I feel like I hand over all sovereignty of myself when I fly. And that is a fundamental line I do not want to cross. When I have to submit to security screenings, when I have to submit to sitting on the tarmac while they work things out for six hours, while I have to go through different regions where they check my background, that is a sovereignty of myself in which I wish not to give. And so I drove from the Pacific Ocean to the Atlantic Ocean and back for budget reasons and because fundamentally, this is a line I cannot cross. And yet what these people are advocating, your funny men's, your Jimmy Kimmel's, your John Oliver's, your Colbert's, are going to result in a, in, in a TSA-like experience in any major area you go. And I wish it could result in what people like to call sensible or uh, what's it, what common sense, common sense gun reform. That was Obama's favorite term. I, I legitimately wish it could result in that. As somebody who does not own a gun, and the only kind of gun I would like to own would be one where I could blow a hole through an intruder. And I don't, a shotgun or, or a handgun's fine for me. I don't, beyond that, I have no wish. And I don't even own those. That's my only, that's my only horse in this race. And as somebody who has that position, I genuinely say, I dread where this is going. And, and what I really hate about it is from the outside, from my very intelligent friends across the pond and everywhere else, it looks like the United States is a bunch of crazy motherfuckers who just want their guns and fireworks. And it's not that at all. It's about personal sovereignty. It's about protecting your family. It's about self-control. It's about the human fundamental ability to determine who lives and who dies. And it's about seceding that to yourself and not your government. And it's about that fundamental right. And at the end of the day, it's, 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 it's really insulting to consider all of these stupid bullshit discussions about law changes will not actually have any meaningful change because if you want to break the law, you're still going to break the law. Ask any pot smoker that smokes pot in a, can- in a state that doesn't have cannabis legalized or ask our shooter who just mowed down 59 people and modified his weapon in a way that is completely illegal. Yeah, I, uh, there was a, a nice mashup uh, that Trevor Noah kind of did on, on The Daily Show and he talked about how, like, for example, how Fox News couldn't, um, couldn't paint this shooter into anything because he didn't fit any of the characteristics mm. of anything. He didn't have... I mean, obviously, he has some sort of mental issue, of course, because, you know, who would compel somebody to do this sort of thing? But no ties to terrorism, wasn't broke, you know, no, I mean, really no, nothing that could, you know, he wasn't uh, of a different color. <laughs> and right. Different, I mean, right. and, and it's, it's one of those things where these are the things that, like you said, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely inclined to agree. I mean, look how we are. And that's why I personally, what I try to do every day is be respectful and kind and and, and try to live, you know, a, a good life, you know, like you, you know, your your woman and your kids and you know, your friends. I, I, I think that's the best we can do. And if we all did that and be truly respectful of one another, then we can get ourselves out of this. But until that happens, and like you said, it's gonna take thirty yeah. years to do that, it's I think not. we are right now besieged by virtual signaling. And what we have right now is every single topic is radicalized. Every single topic is weaponized. If it's guns, if it's Russia, if it's climate change. I mean, I don't need to give you the list. You obviously could name off a thousand yourself. And 
they've all been weaponized. They've all been radicalized in a sense. They've all been triggered. You know what I mean? Like yeah. all of it has been everything has been radicalized or triggered or And if you're not with me, you're against me. Yeah. And I mean, and, and we're all we all have parts and pieces to blame in that regard. I want to recommend people go check out the uh. book called Tribe. Tribe. There's two books out there, Tribes and Tribe. I want to recommend you get Tribe. Read the shit out of that book and then come back and watch an additional episode of Unfilter. Um, all right. So let's talk about Spain. Wow. Now, I, I like this. I think this show, it's, it's, it's like Power Zone. You know, like you've ever played those golf games where like if you hit the swing just right, like yeah. in the power zone, you get Oh like, yeah, you got boom, you get yeah. the bonus. Yeah. yeah. I feel like our our bonus zone is when we cover the US and the US's impact on the rest of the world. So like when we're fucking around in Syria or the UK or Russia, like like we have the home turf advantage to watch the US and the US's impact on the world. And I don't know if I can necessarily say that's the spin on this Spain story. But holy crap, if I haven't been watching this with some interest. According to Catalan officials, 90% of people who took part in an independence referendum there. Which is 43% of the entire popula- popula- population. Population, even after, uh, well, some police resistance, we'll call it right now. Have voted to break away from Spain. The Catalonian president has announced the region deserves to be an independent country following Sunday's vote. Let's hear what he said. So this is like the quote-unquote mayor, I guess, of Catalonia. With this day of hope and suffering, the citizens of Catalonia have earned the right to an independent state in the form of a republic. So these sons of bitches are trying to pull a Crimea and uh, break away. Uh, and uh, it's, I would say, not being well-received by Spain. Not well-received at all. In Spain's Catalonia region, voting became an act of protest. And that protest became violent. After thousands of police raided voting stations, confiscated ballot boxes. So Spain as a government, like as a like a like so if you're going to compare it to the U.S. as like a federal government. So I'm going to relate it to the United States for a moment as as we like to do. So so you have the federal government and then you have Washington state where Chase and I are located. Washington state held a vote. And uh, 43% of the population turned out, and that was actually 43%. It was probably much, 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 much more than that. But uh, the the federal police, because they have a federal police force, so in our case, the FBI. So the FBI raided all of these, like, voting poll stations. Right. And, like, like took bats to them and actually, like, destroyed them. And so 40, but even despite that, 43% of Washington residents turned out and voted 90% of them voted to leave the United States. That okay, so that's the context of what's going on. So I'm I'm just trying to give you like a like a this is so to give you a, if you're a US centric view, that's essentially what's happened here. Bring stations confiscated ballot boxes and beat back angry voters. I never imagined in my head, in my mind, uh, this violent scene in my country. But Spanish police say they were the victims, assaulted by civilians just for enforcing the law. Dozens of police were injured. But despite scenes of brutality throughout Catalonia, some polling stations, like this one in central Barcelona, were allowed to remain open, and they saw huge numbers. Polls say Catalans are... So for those of you listening, uh, they're showing shots that are just... uh, The people are just 
it's packing the streets. It looks like an ant farm. There's so many people. It's just totally nuts, nuts. And, and maybe, and my analogy, by the way, of maybe the FBI, maybe instead of the FBI, consider the National Guard. So the National Guard came in and started destroying polling stations in Washington. So maybe that'd be a better analogy. And then the Washington state residents filled Seattle and Olympia from building to building, every street, no traffic could get through. It was just massive. Say Catalans are divided on independence. Theirs is one of Spain's richest regions, and many here complain they give more than they get. The region is already autonomous, and polls say a narrow majority hope to remain. Regardless of the outcome, today's vote will likely tear Spain and Catalonia even further apart. Matt Bradley, NBC News, Barcelona. So what what really kind of turned people against uh, Spain is the really abusive tactics of the police force just beating the shit out of people and that does not look good so there's been a bit of a shift in international opinion about this whole thing and catalonia right now is sort of winning the pr war and they just they just want to be recognized and um the in in the town square people organized actually i gotta say if you want, if you want to fucking be inspired, I'm swearing again. It's just, it's so incredible. I know. Yeah. It, it really. Like, this is what happens when you go to New York. By the way, they just people swear like crazy oh, yeah. in New York. Get out of way. Yeah. Uh, but so they like they raise their own flags and they they built their own humid ladder and this kind of cute girl climbs like this tower of people to put their own flag up and then she climbs down like this. 15-person-long tower. I mean, it's super inspiring. I mean, people are working together in an incredible way to send a message. It's it's really remarkable to see it. I have some clips in the supporter sync if you want to watch it. And uh, the visuals of this have been playing so strongly in the international media that Spain has to back off. Now, they are still pissed and uh, releasing statements today that this is terrorist activities and uh, that uh, this is, of course, a, a rogue act. Uh, so I don't know where this is going to go, but I'm going to keep watching it because the situation in Spain is is just uh, – it's fascinating. It's really fascinating. Oh, it's fun to watch. I mean fun in in the sense of like we're seeing historical perspective yeah. and seeing what's going on. Like a big historical thing is happening. Yeah. And so like I was saying, all these all these protesters, protesters organized in the square and uh, they all got together and they spelled Europe help us. And then they sent a drone up and they took a picture of it. Wow. And it, 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 I don't know, Chase. It was just really something to see it. It was, it was really something. And so, anyways, uh, we have a few more clips in the supporter sync if you want to watch it. But I'll, I'll follow the story. I also, if anybody has any insights into the United States' role in this entire thing, mm. I'd love to hear it. Totally. Go to discord.me slash Jupiter Colony, and then we have an unfiltered uh, room in there, a channel, I think they call it. Is that what they call it? Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, is that what they call it? Channel. Channel. Is that channel. what they call it? We have an unfiltered channel in there. And if you know, if you have any insights about this, I would really like to hear it. Let me know in there. Fair enough. All right, buddy. So before we get into the high note, what do you think? Reclaiming my time. You want to get into uh, a little bit of the uh, unfiltered mail sack? Uh, oh! yeah, just want to say a big thanks again last week. To all of you patrons who actually jumped in the open mail sack, I opened it up to everybody at five or more. This week, I guess Club 33 is on vacation, which is fine. You guys well-deserved vacation, so don't forget. (laughs) Wait a minute, what? What I mean by that is... They get to take a week off? Well, no, no. I put out the, 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 the call. And nobody answered. Nobody answered. Oh, I see I see. we have a few regulars in the uh, Discord right now, though. Yeah. So they're here. Yeah, they're here. They just, you know what? They, they wanted to sit back and enjoy the show. You escaped from New York. You're back. 
So, just want to remind you guys, all you Club 33 patrons, you can get into my sack. Anything you want to get off your chest, you can. That is your time. We're not going to let anyone else reclaim it. It is your time to spread the word. Are you trying to get me to... Are you, were you, no, at, no, no, were no, you queuing no, me up? No, no, that, no? no okay. it doesn't work like that. See, right. see, when I tell... Yeah. Well, then no. can I submit something? Can I submit something? Uh, yeah, uh, Chris uh, has something to say in the sack this week. Chris, go ahead. Uh, I just want again. I want to thank you, Mr. Chase, for uh, doing the show while I was gone, and producer Matt and the Beard for working on the technical issues. Right. I I, uh, I, I got to be honest. I I really I feel bad when we miss a week, and so I really appreciate the fact that you guys got an episode out. And um, I look forward to as the funding increases, figuring out methodologies, and perhaps it's just simply a data plan to make unfilter on the go yeah. possible. Yeah, that'd be great too. I I will say this, Chris. I didn't do the the show for you. I didn't do it for me. I didn't do it for producer Matt. That's right. I did it for the patrons. Oh! At patreon.com slash unfilter. Because really, you are the guys that support this show. Uh, You're the comments that matter to me personally. I mean, yes, I look at the YouTube comments. Yes, I look at the chat room comments. But you guys on Patreon who support our show and support what we're trying to do here and get what we're trying to do here, I say thank you. Yeah. So, yes, remember, if you're you're a Club 33 guy or gal or or person, I don't, you know, maybe you don't want to identify as anything (sighs) or alien. You know know what? Uh, I got to say, Chase. Yes, Chris. Every time I go out, I meet folks. From the unfiltered audience, and some of them are Patreons. I need to I, go where you go. <laughs> a club, a club, a club. Thirty three er, in fact, was a lady. Nice. Yep. Very it, nice. It does happen. It does. So happen. every Wednesday in the morning, AM time, very in early, morning. seven or <laughs> eight AM in the morning, I send out a post that you guys can reply directly to and give me your thoughts. But thanks, you guys. Really do appreciate it. Yeah. Very and much. keep unfiltered weird. Patreon.com slash unfiltered. That's Portland's tagline. Don't do that. And also uh, a few shoe stores out there. Fair All right. So let's talk about our high note this week. Yeah. Um, Atlanta's got some interesting breaking news today as we record. At this hour, the city of Atlanta has just voted on whether or not to essentially decriminalize marijuana possession. Now, you know what I thought was interesting about this story? This is Ben Swan. Ben Swan. Oh, that guy. Yes. He has not been on the air since he talked about Pizzagate. That's right. This is the first time we've had a Ben Swan clip on the Actually, show. Actually, it's nice to see he's still employed with CBS 46. Yeah, it is. Yeah. They decriminalize marijuana. Question. Oh, 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 sorry. I skipped ahead. I was, whoa, whoa, I was, question. I got to be honest. I was really excited by Ben Swan's hair. On whether or not to essentially decriminalize marijuana possession. Uh, the new law would make possession of less than an ounce a ticketing offense. And this is in Atlanta, by the way. And so this is uh, one of those technicalities that we're seeing happening from time to time where it's not technically legal but they've made all of the changes to make it unenforceable so there's zero incentive for the police to stop you it's technically illegal for you to smoke that joint but there is absolutely zero percent in fact maybe you would say negative five percent incentive for the cops to stop you. It's, this is what Seattle did before Washington legalized pot. It's marijuana possession. Uh, the new law would make possession of less than an ounce a ticketing offense instead of one that could send you to jail. Keith Whitney is live at City Hall for what has turned out to be a heated exchange and a decision coming down on that, Keith. So the decision is they're going to do it. But the the exchange between uh, everybody back and forth is actually rather humorous. And uh, after a little bit here, this uh, local news anchor sets it up for us. Like this past under the gold dome. Check out the exchange. Yo. 
Why didn't you pass this at the state level where it can actually make a difference? You will see that I'm an author of a bill to defelonize marijuana at the state capitol. So, so, don't try to score political, no, uh-uh. Don't try to score political points with me. No, uh-uh. No, uh-uh. No, a question. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Stop, stop, stop. Yeah, she's doing the no, hand no. thing. But look at the guy on the left. His oh, mouth yeah. dropped. He was like, whoa. <laughs> okay, with me. Yeah. I am asking. No, yeah, he's, that is good catch, dude. That's funny. In a question, I'm asking that he specifically no, wait, answer my about, question. Mr. Ford, Senator Ford, Zoom it back. Points would it come up on that board? Senator Ford, let's do that. Miss Bottoms, we're done. We're no. done. No, mm-hmm. no, no, Ms. Bottoms. No, this no. is not Miss Bottoms. No, with this all is, due respect, Mr. President, I'm not done. This is not a t- no. With all due respect, wow. With all due respect, with all due, it was a bit contentious. But the end result is... Oh, my goodness. The end result is essentially in Atlanta, it's decriminalized in a way because of the essentially enforcement priority, which is fascinating. Now, as we went on the air today, there's a little bit of local news in our recreational pioneer state, Washington. The first state, by the way. Well, should the state allow people to grow marijuana at home for recreational use? Now, I want to stop here with... um, I don't mean to, I mean, I have the same, I just, I just went into this entire thing with the gun thing, but, uh, cannabis is a weed. And if you've ever, if you've ever had a garden or a yard and you've like, you've killed weeds and they have like these little like nubbin seeds and they just spread everywhere. That's what pot looks like. It's the same thing. It is a weed. Is that what I have all over my backyard? Guess why they call it weed, dude. And so the thing is, is we are literally debating if people should have the privilege to grow a weed in their backyard. Now, if if you want to ask yourself if we're living in an authoritarian state, that we are literally debating what we are allowed to put in our own bodies— and what we are allowed to grow in our own yards. People to grow marijuana at home for recreational use. How about whatever the fuck they want to use it for? <laughs> the State Liquor and Cannabis Board will begin talking about this tomorrow at the agency's normal meeting at its headquarters in Olympia. They may allow the slaves to grow their own pot in a limited manner that they deem appropriate. The public hearing begins at 10. If you can't make it, you can email your comments until a week from tomorrow. The State Liquor and Cannabis Board Board will conduct a study and then make their recommendations to lawmakers by December 1st. You know what my take is on it, Chase? Uh, uh, my personal feeling about what the government should be uh, allowed to mandate or not, the federal government. Um, I look at this a lot like beer. I honestly do. That's my, my, my big picture cannabis perspective is brewing your own beer. And if I'm allowed to cultivate my own yeast... If I am allowed to grow my own hops, which, by the way, direct descendant of the cannabis plant, uh, if I'm allowed to do these things, then I should be allowed to grow my own pot plant. If I am allowed to grow my own dandelions, if I'm allowed to grow my own tomato plants. Yeah, yeah, but Chris, those plants are not illegal against federal law. And, you know, with Jeff Sessions right now with a big magnifying oh, glass over the states, good old Jeff. you know, maybe we don't want to have Washington there in the in the crosshairs. Actually, I can't take credit for all of that. I, I heard about that. Yeah, today. that is a thing. So, we don't want to so, be in the so, crosshairs. We don't yeah. want to be in the crosshairs. Right. We don't even, though we, the- even though we were 
first. We don't want to be the test subject. Right. We don't want to. We don't want to upset Even the apple cart. Even though Colorado and Alaska and, and many other states do it, we don't want to be in the crosshairs. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Okay, makes sense yeah. to me. So I thought this next clip. I, I I left the entire thing in in its full context. So it, I, I want for theater of the mind. This is our last clip of the show. So let's all just participate in a shared hallucination. Close, close your eyes, everybody. Close your eyes. You're sitting in front of the television. Yeah. You've got nothing better to do all day long okay. but watch TV. All right. That's sweet. <laughs> Sounds so nice. It's actually not bad. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Keep going. Sweet spot. And you're watching, of course, what else but Fox and Friends. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I wake up every morning with them. Um, and this segment on Fox and Friends completely destroys your entire paradigm. And can stop taking it personally, which is hard for anyone to do. So this is Dr. Oz, and uh, he sat down. It literally says that, right? No, it says Ivanka Trump sits down. Yeah, well, he sat down with Ivanka Trump, and now he's sitting down with, with Fox, Fox and, and Friends. Friends. Wow, he's 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 a, a lot of sitting. He likes to sit. That's his core competency, like me. You're, you're ruining the vision. Sorry. We are sitters. Sorry. So uh, we're sitting around, and we're talking about stuff. And uh, he goes on Fox and Friends to plug his Ivanka Trump interview. And... <laughs> It is a miracle, in a sense, what he manages to turn this interview into. Bear witness to Dr. Oz individually blowing the minds of each Fox and Friends host. All three hosts on the couch have their minds blown in the next mm, 45 seconds. Be an issue. After a while, won't our country get sick of the negativity and just, I mean, you can't watch mainstream media without, I mean, even Harvard did a study on this, the 100 days, the first 100 days of the presidency, and they said that most of the mainstream media outlets were so negative toward him. What, uh, at what point does Fox not become the mainstream media? Uh, anyways, discretion. Most of the stories. When do we get to a point in our country where we say we can't do this, even from a medical standpoint, like enough of the anger? So she tosses it to him. She tries to make a bold statement that, of course, they're trying to make constantly on Fox and Friends, and then has to incorporate her guests with her somewhat relevant rhetoric. And uh, he takes it in a direction that all of them are completely surprised by. It's detrimental to the well-being of our population. I showed some data that actually Mike Burling polled for us uh, looking at stress levels in America, 57% of women feel the stress is above what they can deal with. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a major influence and not a good one for our country. And you also talked about the opioid epidemic, so that's a very important thing. I know Governor Christie was here talking about that. Can, can I say one thing? Actually, I talked about the opioid epidemic, but this, the, what the real story is, is the hypocrisy around medical right. marijuana. And just real quickly, medical marijuana, people think it's a gateway drug to, to narcotics. It may be the exit drug to get us out of the narcotic epidemic, but wow. we're not allowed. we're not allowed to study it. What have we been saying on this show for years? Actually, and I'm not kidding. Hold on. Let me let me just double check to make yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm pretty positive. Yeah. Legitimately, since episode one. Episode one. Of your unfiltered yeah, show, we've yeah, been saying that. Let me yeah. just, uh, just, I just got to double check here. Just got to make sure. Let's go, let's go back yeah, in yeah. time here. Yeah, yeah. Boy, uh, we're really, we're, you're going to, we're it, exercising it, that time machine. Yeah, this there, week. there it is. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. So uh, here it is. Episode one of your unfiltered show. Oh, my God. On May 19th, 2012. Oh, my God. I know. Oh, my God. I know. I know. We we said this very thing, and so here is wow. uh, here is your buddy, your good friend, my buddy, Doctor Oz, Doctor O, 
finally making this point. Where marijuana, people think it's a gateway drug to, to narcotics. It may be the exit drug to get us out of the narcotic <laughs> epidemic, but wow. we're not allowed. We're not wow, allowed you hear to that? study wow. it because it's a Schedule One drug. Yeah, he's blowing their minds. Like, if, if you're watching the video version, you'll see it more, but they all legitimately pretend like they've never heard this most absolutely understood fact. They've never heard this before. Gateway drug to, to narcotics. It may be the exit drug to get us out of the narcotic epidemic, but wow. we're not allowed. Wow. We're not allowed to study it because it's a Schedule One wow. drug. And I personally believe it could help. I hadn't heard that before. <laughs> Liar! You are lying, sir. <laughs> Holy crap! <sighs> All right, Chase. Uh, well, you know what? If you're a meat and veggies kind of person, I understand. Yeah. 253 is essentially done for you. Yeah. However, if you like a little apple pie from time to time, I invite you to stick around. Because, um, well, in the overtime, let's just say Russiagate's going to come up, and I got a feeling that I take a position about it. I don't know why I feel that way. But in the meantime, if you got to check out, you got your news, you're done, you got the news that you need to know about, well, then we have a few parting bits of wisdom for your face. Mr. Chase, would you like to share any of those? Yeah, so please come join me over on the Twitters. That conversation's there at Newness. I'm the real one, at N-U-N-E-S. Also, check out my Discord channel where you can hang out and when oh! I play games and stuff. Discord.gg slash TV. And Chris. Sir. Vlog videos. Oh, man. Great. I'm just great you content. Got, you got to check out episode 58 of the vlogs. Vlog 58, the entire reason I went to New York, why I drove from the Pacific to the Atlantic inside the Ubuntu rally. It's posted over at jupiterbroadcasting.com slash rova or go to youtube.com slash Chris Fisher. But Mr. Chase, yes. perhaps they'd like something of the gaming variety. That's right. Geekgamer.tv. Head over there right now. You can check out all the previous pack stuff we did. We also have a live Twitch channel. We have so much great content mm. in the gaming and geek area. Oh. And by the way, there's a little petition going around, Chris, to help bring back the Geek Gamer Show, the Geek Gamer Podcast, where no. we talk about the geek and gaming topics. It never dies, dude. Never, it does, never dies. Never does. Check out the network at Jupiter Signal for news and announcements. Follow me at Chris LAS, my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Chris. Fisher. Yeah. Of course, this show's every single week, but I encourage you to go check out Mr. Nunes at Nunes on the Twitter. And you know what? Yeah. We'll see you right back here. I don't know. Maybe, uh, um, what do you say, Chase? How about? Uh, I don't know. Uh, uh, a week from tomorrow. Yeah. Next no, week. Next week. <laughs> All right. OMG, OMG, OMG. You wish the show is over. In some ways, it's really just getting started. Come with me into the overtime time. The overtime time zone. Overtime time time. our new patrons that signed up since the 14th of September. You are staying woke. Mr. Justin, Oren, Thomas, Josh, Lars, Elysium Vol. That's a good one. Alex Van A. You 
are our new patrons this week. And this segment, yes, this segment right here, it's dedicated to you and all of our patrons over at patreon.com slash unfiltered. Thank you for staying woke. You guys keep this show on the air. And if you're new to overtime, think of this as like a supplemental. So you just got your meat and your taters, maybe a little veggies. And now you want like that sweet little sugary thing that they put on the side of your microwave meals. That's like a dessert, but not quite a dessert. That's what overtime is. There's additional news, more context, more stories. We can take a little more time. It's just you and I. I record this before Mr. Chase actually gets in the studio. <gasps> did I just did I just ruin did I just ruin that? I might have. I don't think I've ever mentioned that on air. The live stream knows over jblive.tv. But those of you that don't know, we actually record this before I record the main show. Don't tell anybody. That's just going to be our secret. That's just our secret. Let's start with O'Nancy this week where we document the systemic rot of the corporatist Democratic Party led by Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer's, and others like them. And, of course, you have your puppet master, the Clintons. And um, there's certain topics that they love to talk about because it's their core message area, and they're really good there. And then there's other areas that are sometimes a little controversial that your corporatist Democrats like to avoid because they're in a real rock and a hard spot. You got your corporate sponsors, and of course you got the will of the people, and you got the political hot buttons at the same time. And Nancy Pelosi lets her card show during a press conference where she is about to go into a rant about guns. But you can tell that at first it catches her off guard because she lets a little something slip, like the name of our Lord. Yes, uh, Madam Leader, uh, I'd like to get your thoughts on some gun legislation that's on sort of moving toward the floor. One would... Uh, oh, there it is. <laughs> and, you know, I, I fancy myself an amateur body language analyzer, and uh, <laughs> that's what we call it. And I, I watched her body language during this, and you can really see she's... She's biting down. She's really not happy about this. And so when the reporter asked, oh, man, I just backed it up a few more frames. And she's she's mulling over like something that tastes bad in her mouth, like she's about to have something bad. And she starts rather happy when when the reporter, when she first calls on the reporter, before the reporter identifies what she's about to ask, Nancy seems quite happy. I'd like to get your thoughts on some gun legislation that's on sort of moving toward the floor. One would uh, oh, say what I love about that. Oh, God slip. And then and then Nancy realizes, I mean, she's not so out. Out of it that she's not aware of the words that come out of her own mouth hole so then she realizes oh i've just said that into the microphone because i'm standing in front of one and then she tries to break out a super awkward smile I, if you're watching the video version leave a comment and tell me how you would describe that face what what face is that yes well, and in addition to that... And then she tries to recover, and she hits her, her standard talking points. Um, I like that because Nancy recently has really been nailing religion, because uh, one of their little uh, calculated maneuvers is to talk to the little people about their Jesus and their God. And uh, if you talk to the people that have the fear of God, and you speak to them about their own language, then you can get them to vote for you. So Nancy's trying to get all the dumb religious people to vote for her. And I hate that. I hate that they think that way. They have contempt for people that have religion. They have like this this manipulated view of how to control these people and use their religion as a weakness. And I find that to be disgusting. I find that to be predatory behavior. And that's what Nancy Pelosi engages in. And so to have her be up on stage and let the, the G-bomb slip. It shows you her real colors, I thought. Now, Maxine Waters showing her real, co- real colors. She's at a eulogy. 
This woman is at a eulogy, and this is where she goes with her speech. This is where she takes I it. I wish I could sit with Dick because I've got work to do. Oh. I'm cleaning out the White House. That's right. Yes. Yes. We're going to sanitize the White House. What? What? I, 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 what? We're going to sanitize the White House. Now, um, uh, I mean, I hate to be this guy, but if a white man said that about a black president in office or a white woman said that about a black president in office, how would that be received? Imagine if that's a white man up on stage saying that the White House is going to be sanitized from Barack Obama. How is that received? I think that comes across as racist. If you ask me, I would say that is a racist comment. But for some reason, when Maxine Waters says it, it's okay. We're going to sanitize the White House. That is an unbelievable statement. She is not a commentator. She's not in the press media. She is a member of the government. She is part of the. Like, this is one of the government's own saying that they need to sanitize the White House. This is madness. This is full-on madness. And if another country's representatives were saying this, it would be the topic of controversy. We're going to sanitize the White House. Oh, yes! We're not going to take what is happening in this country. Haven't you taken enough? And then comes along this person. This person who does not respect you, this dishonorable human being who cheats everybody, this dishonorable human being who will lie at the drop of a hat, this dishonorable human being who will lie at a drop of a hat, sort of like all of the Democrats and most of the corporatist Republicans are lying about Russiagate. Who have the alt-right and the KKK oh, and the everybody else. Yeah, that's right. The KKK, the alt-right. That's right. Yeah. Inside his cabinet. Woo! In right inside. In the White House. In the White House. This dishonorable human being oh. who can criticize everybody but Putin and Russia. Oh, did he collude with Russia? Yes. I bet you Dick Gregory would tell me, yeah, he oh. did it. Not only are we going to clean out the White House, we're going to take back the house that slaves built. Oh, there you go. And I know even my colleagues get very upset. Some get afraid when I say impeachment. Oh, no. Oh, no, girl. When I get through with Donald Trump, He's going to wish he had been impeached. <laughs> She's good. I feel it very deeply. I am so offended by him. And I love my people so much that I am not going to put up with it. I'm going to say impeach 45 every day. That's right. Impeach 45 every day. Impeach 45 every day. I noticed something with the Facebook ad story that just stood out 
could mean absolutely nothing. But it reminded me of a very crazy year. That year being 2016. Exactly the way news worked during the 2016 campaigns. The Clinton campaign would be the first source for news. And then a couple of days after, or sometimes that day, the organization or the spokesperson or the outlet would confirm the thing that Hillary or someone had said from the, from the campaign. And I remember that being a hell of a thing. Like, obviously, the Clinton campaign knew first, knew before the information went public, and decided to say something. And then there'd be a few minutes where, where do they get that information? How do they know that? And then the company or person would come out and say it. I've been noticing that same thing happening with the Facebook ads. It's like the election cycle all over again. WikiLeaks has published an email in which Hillary Clinton's campaign chief thanks a top Facebook manager for, quote, help and support. The email exchange dates back to the U.S. presidential election in 2016. Oh. Now we can cross now live to RT's Polly Boyka. Polly, tell us more. It's almost like they're still helping the Clinton campaign. What was significant in those emails? Well, it's really interesting because WikiLeaks' tweet has really put things into perspective because on the one hand, you've got the Senate Intelligence Committee investigating the alleged Russian hacking in the run-up to the US elections. On the one hand. And despite all the digging that they're doing, they're yet to find that clear trail that they're so desperate to find leading all the way back to the Kremlin. And then if you take a look at what Julian Assange has just unearthed now, it's one of the leaked Podesta emails, but it shows that there is clear evidence that Facebook expressed an overt bias. I am thrilled at the progress Hillary is making, reads the email sent to Podesta. Towards Hillary Clinton in the run-up to the U.S. election. Just look at the email. I think you've probably got it up on your screens right now. It's an email from Clinton's former campaign manager, John Podesta, to Sheryl Sandberg, the uh, COO, the chief operating officer of Facebook. And it says, uh, look forward to working with you to elect the first woman president of the U.S. Jesus. The email reads in totality, wishing you a happy new year. 2015 was challenging, but we ended in a good place thanks to your help and support. Look forward to working with you to elect the first woman president of the United States. You know what's remarkable about that? We've also seen leaks that she worked with Google to get data, accurate data, data that was better than the DNC's data. She had both Google and Facebook polling for her. And who knows where Twitter fell on the spectrum. And still lost to Trump. Isn't that remarkable? No wonder they're so pissed. Sandberg's reply uh, is that she's thrilled by the progress that Clinton has been making. I mean, naturally, I think this begs the question, is the U.S. uh, Senate as interested in Hillary's campaign manager working with Facebook to elect Hillary um, as they are in the alleged Russian meddling? Shit, doesn't doesn't Hillary know that Facebook colluded with Russia to sell ads? Oh, my goodness. uh, In these elections as well. And by the way, that's by no means it. Um, The WikiLeaks tweet also highlights a personal email back uh, 
uh, written back in 2015 by the CEO of Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg.、Oh. Um, it's to John Podesta, that's、oh. Clinton's campaign manager. It says that Zuckerberg enjoyed spending time with Podesta <laughs> and that his conversation with him gave Zuckerberg a lot to think about. Had some great pizza. Infer from that what you will, but I think a pretty straight up reading will lead many to assume that、uh, Podesta was there trying to lobby the CEO of <laughs>、yeah. Facebook. No.、Um, and in fact, it's safe to assume that pretty much the whole of the Silicon Valley was on Hillary's side in the run up to the US election.、Uh, if you remember, Google was accused of sort of calibrating its search results in order to,、uh, well, with preference for stuff. About Hillary to come out first. So while we're on the Russia topic, let's play a little、uh, Cucker Tuckerson. And he's got a piece here about the Russian conspiracy theory just falling apart. Well, no story in the past year has consumed nearly as many words and as much airtime as the alleged collusion between. I, okay, so I'm、um, going to just say I agree. As somebody who spends many, many hours, and I would like to hear producer Matt's opinions too in the Discord,、uh, because he and I both independently review clips all week long. And、uh, I would like to know what he thinks, because I don't know if we've actually even talked about this, but I agree. Uh, 253 weeks of this show. I don't know if I've seen any one particular topic maintain news momentum like the Russia story has with so little actual、um, new developments. You have hearsay and rumor and discussion about the hearsay and the rumor, and you have discussion about the response to the hearsay and the rumor. But is in terms of actual new evidence being presented, we got nothing. And yet, it's still a. It feels like a story that's being designed to sit in the news cycle every single week, getting bumped every week, getting bumped and bumped. So, producer Matt, if you're in the Discord, let me know what you think. But I, I kind of agree with Cucker Tuckerson here. There's really hardly any other story I,、uh, that has gotten the amount of attention that this has consistently. And imagine for a moment if the Snowden leaks had gotten this much focus and this much energy and this much conversation and this much investigation. Nearly as many words and as much airtime as the alleged collusion between the Donald Trump presidential campaign and the government of Russia. Hillary Clinton even suggested that collusion may compel a rerun of、oh. the 2016 election. I hope so. Which, of course, all of us are looking forward to. That would be great. That would be great. Great as in horrible. But is the core story that undergirds all of this actually real? Last week, several major outlets reported that Russia had attempted to hack election systems in 21 U.S. states. That story whipped people into a frenzy, and it turned out to be false. Journalist Glenn Greenwald, who was not a conservative, recently wrote that quote: "The Russia story of 2017, not unlike the Iraq discourse of 2002, is now driven by religious-like faith rather than rational faculties." John Daniel Davidson does not have much in common with Glenn Greenwald. But he may agree on this. He writes for the Federalist, and he joins us tonight. John, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. So these words carry, and we've had Glenn on this show a number of times,、um, but they carry particular weight because he's not pro-Trump in the slightest. He's a figure of the left, and I don't think he has any 
political agenda either way. But Although a, the left would completely reject him at this point. Logical person, a rational person, and he looks at the evidence and finds it wanting. I like uh, producer Matt's response there. Producer Matt says the Russia story is like Wiley e. Coyote running on air. He just hasn't looked down yet. <laughs> Yeah, I find it kind of awkward to be in a position where I'm agreeing with Glenn Greenwald on anything, but he's right about this. Ever since this Russia collusion story first came up, the media has bent over backwards uh, going after every anonymous leak, uh, every salacious story they could get their hands on to try to prove that uh, the real reason Trump won the election was because he was colluding with Vladimir Putin. Democrats and their courtesans in the media cannot accept the fact that Donald Trump won a free and fair election, and there's got to be some other explanation for it, and they've latched onto this Russia story, and every time they trot out a new theory or a new leak or a new explosive uh, document or piece of intelligence, uh, it crumbles right away, and we've seen this throughout the past year, time after time, and this is just the latest version. But so, I mean, it would it's a significant statement to say maybe the whole thing is false. I've I, I think I'm approaching that conclusion because <laughs> I don't see evidence otherwise. But if it's if it really is a lie at its core, I mean, man, we've spent an awful lot of time on this as a country and money. Well, I think we need to distinguish between the claim that that the Trump campaign and Trump colluded with Russia to hack the election and falsify ballots. Uh, that's that's the outrageous claim uh, that a lot of Democrats would like to be true and a lot of the mainstream media would like to be true. But to say that, that Russia did have a propaganda that was designed not to elect a one candidate over another, but to sow discord, to discredit the democratic process, uh, to turn Americans against one another. I think there is something to that claim. And ah, and there we begin to see the groundwork of commonality. I am optimistic that the fact that this is on Cucker Tuckerson and this guy is a right-wing commentator and that he is agreeing with Glenn Greenwald, typically on the progressive left, the common ground that is quietly being established in the background, and it's, I'm going to admit, something your humble host has been saying for months on this program. Russia didn't likely do any cyber attack in the normal, like, traditional sense that we talk about, like, penetrate servers and distribute emails as a disinformation campaign. That's bullshit. But what is likely legitimate is they spent time and money and resources on advertising and other methods to influence public opinion about matters that are important to the Russian government. Things like fracking or things that can cause division. Now, I hate to use that word because I feel like it's just totally been weaponized now. And I, I don't even, it's just, it sounds dirty coming out of my mouth. Of course the United States is doing this, and of course other countries are doing this. Every country does that. Every country that has a couple of hundred bucks to spend on Facebook ads. And so it's possible and easy enough for everybody to come to that common ground. Because it's, it's legitimate, it's real, and it's happening. 
And while I don't know how long it's going to take us to get there, in the end, we could just sort of wind this whole Russia thing down if everybody agrees to start talking about them trying to influence us via ads and stops talking about hacking the DNC, because that's all shit. That's bullshit. I'm sorry if you believe it. I know it's comforting to think that Putin is some sort of 4D chess master, and he's controlling all of the boogeyman in the world, and he's making life bad for the United States. And if he would just go away, we'd have ISIS wrapped up, Hillary would be running the free world, and everything would be great. And I know that's comforting to think that, but the reality is, it's horseshit. It was an insider leak of the DNC, plain and simple. Now, you could easily make the argument that Russia exploited the situation. And that's going to be common ground by both the right and the left, because you have the polar opposite sides of the political spectrum saying the same exact thing now. Think about that for a moment. You have the far left and the far right saying the same things. There's a lot of other things being said, but if those other things begin to fade away, as our focus does tend to drift, and they can whittle it down to these same core things... Well, then we might have ourselves something here. Trump may walk away unscathed, but the left doesn't have to admit that Russia did nothing because we have something legitimate that Russia did do. Everybody wins. Turn Americans against one another. I think there is something to that claim. And a lot of us in the conservative media were writing about this last summer. And we didn't have access to any special intelligence reports or any secret dossiers. All you had to do was pay close attention to the trolls on Twitter and Facebook. And you could tell something odd was going on uh, uh, with tweets and with social media memes going viral. That they were coming from, you know, what were probably Russian troll farms. Do you think think that? Oh, okay. All right. Well, you see, there's your common ground. It's there. I don't know if I like it, but it's there. It is definitely there. So we got to wrap this thing up. So just want to do a few more stories. While we're talking about Russia and Russiagate, of course, you, you may be surprised to learn this, but I wasn't. Um, turns out RT has an opinion on the topic. Who knew? The ongoing media campaign against Russia, known as Russiagate, is uh, oh. based on the claim that Russian hackers gave Democratic National Committee documents to WikiLeaks and hacked voter databases supposedly, supposedly in 21 states. Now, prominent Democrats are calling these discredited accusations a political Pearl Harbor, claiming oh. that the U.S. is, quote, at war oh. with Russia. Oh. Although numerous intelligence community veterans, including former NSA technical director Bill Binney, have also... <laughs> already concluded that there is no solid evidence that Russians hacked the DNC, Democrats continue to aggressively promote Russiagate. To discuss why, we're being joined now by professor, economist, and former assistant secretary of the U.S. Treasury, Mr. Paul Craig Roberts. Now, be easy on Paul here. He's from Georgia, and he's going to go ahead and take his time. But he's got some good points to make. Good to see you, Paul. Thanks for being with us today. Um, So tell me, what, in your opinion, are are the main uh, driving factors behind Russiagate, and, and who benefits the most from pushing this narrative? Well, the CIA started uh, what's called Russiagate in order to to uh, prevent President Trump from being able to normalize relations with Russia. I agree with that. The CIA and the military security complex um, need an enemy. Obviously, I agree with that. In order to justify their huge budgets and their unaccountable power. And Russia has been assigned that role. 
Um, so when Trump said he was going to normalize relations with Russia, this was a direct threat. And one of the things I liked the most about him. To the material interest of the military security complex. Now, I think he's underselling Syria here because this played a huge factor in it. I believe the situation in Syria, which is predominantly being controlled by the CIA and has been predominantly fucked up by the CIA and Hillary Clinton's State Department. Sorry, it's true. The situation there added a massive momentum to their problem. It gave an urgency to it, and it gave a velocity and a veracity and a viciousness. How about that? Can you believe I just got three Vs? To what the CIA was doing to Trump, because it was urgent due to the situation in Syria. Now, the Democrats joined in uh, the Russiagate uh, thing. They piggybacked. You could say that. See, that was the brilliant thing. And if you go back in the unfiltered catalog, we talk about it for months before the election. What's going on with Russia? Why are these hints being dropped here? Why are these breadcrumbs being dropped here? What's going on with Russia? The, the Democrats seized on an opportunity with the intelligence agencies who were already trying to run with a Russia narrative. It's like two enemies... Uh, what's the what is the uh, what is the saying? I think of it with my kids sometimes. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. That was what happened between the Democrats and the CIA. As a way of attacking Trump, I don't think the Democrats have considered the consequence of further worsening uh, relations between the United States and Russia. Oh yeah, and and Paul, you also write that the the neocon ideology controls Washington and and makes it impossible to seek peace with Russia. Could that explain why President Trump, who obviously is accused of being pro-Russian, has been unable to, to really actually move on, on U.S.-Russian relations? Well, let's, yes. Let's keep in mind that uh, public Russia bashing it predates President Trump. It's been going on privately in neoconservative circles for many years. It appeared publicly during the Obama regime when uh, Russia blocked uh, Washington's plans to invade Syria and to bomb Iran. Um, and then uh, Russia bashing became more intense yep. when uh, Washington's coup in Ukraine failed to deliver Crimea. Yes, exactly. And if you go into the show's back catalog, you're going to notice something. A um, hundred episodes ago, it's China, 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 China. China, 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 as Trump would say. China. That's what he's house. That's how he's China. It'd be China, 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 China. Uh, and then all of a sudden, there's a switch that flips, and it's Russia, 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 Russia. And if you watch the video versions of our show, our chat room's commenting on it constantly. Wait a minute. I thought the boogeyman was China. Now we're talking about Russia. What's going on? And then the stories just increased in volume from there. Because Washington had intended for the new Ukrainian regime uh, to evict the Russians from their naval base on the Black Sea. Now, why? Well, the neoconservative ideology of U.S. world hegemony, that requires that the principal goal of U.S. foreign policy uh, to be to prevent the rise of other countries that can serve as a restraint on U.S. unilateralism. So this is the main basis for the hostility of U.S. foreign policy toward Russia. And, of course, is also the material interest of the military security complex. So then, in your opinion, what is the, 
the real danger of, of Russiagate in terms of, of global security or, or even national security? Well, uh, the real danger, of course, uh, is uh, conflict. Um, you know, the Russian government has been watching for a number of years, actually, <laughs> ever since <laughs> ever since the Soviet collapse, uh, that uh, the United States breaks all the agreements, uh, moves NATO to their borders, puts missiles on their borders, uh, interferes in the domestic affairs of former uh, Soviet uh, provinces. Uh, and now, it has, since Obama has been issuing constant threats or accusations, really, uh, the Russians know the accusations are false. They also know that Washington knows the accusations are false. Washington doesn't believe us a word of this Russia gate. They know it's false. They know there was no hacking. Uh, there's no doubt about it. What's happening is they're, they're using the accusation to advance their own agenda. It advances the agenda of the military security complex because it keeps the Russian enemy in place. It right. keeps it in the public mind that Russia is an enemy. That's important for their budget. Uh, the neocons, it serves their goal of, uh, of hegemony, you know, beating yeah. back yeah. Russia yeah. and China. So it, these are the things that are going on. Sound, sounds like Washington still needs a bogeyman, and and wrap it, it up, wrap, wrap it up. So uh, we got to go. We got to go. We're out of time. This is TV after all, and we still have to run ads. <laughs> all right, I want to play my favorite story because it's so weird, and I've been following it for weeks, and I haven't talked about it in the show at all, and it's just the craziest story ever. And so I'd love to hear your thoughts about it in the comments because it's got me thinking. Well, the U.S. is pulling some diplomats and their family members out of Cuba after mysterious sonic attacks against Americans on the island. That's what a State Department official now confirms. to. Yeah, it's like wrecking their hearing and stuff. Sonic attacks. And they're in like specific areas of the room. So if you step a few feet over, it wouldn't happen. And people are just like having all kinds of weird conditions. It's not clear if it's the CIA, if it's the Cuban government or what's going on. Fox News. The Associated Press first reported the State Department has ordered more than half its staffers to leave the island. The U.S. is also warning Americans against traveling to Cuba. U.S. investigators say at least 21 American diplomats and family members have come down with a strange kind of disease or symptoms, including brain damage, hearing loss, and concussions. And according to AP, one victim described waking up in a hotel room to a blaring noise that went away when he got out of bed and moved a few feet away. But when FBI agents searched hotel rooms and the homes where the attacks happened, they said they could not find any devices. Cuban officials have insisted they had nothing to do with the incidents. Josh Letterman is a foreign affairs reporter who covers the State Department and national security for the Associated Press. He Isn't this weird? Like, what is this? What is causing this? I, I, I really want to know your thoughts because the range of bacon on this one, well, it really could be, could be massive. Now, we have a special reporter on the scene uh, giving us a, a report on uh, some Labour Party developments. Uh, go, take At it away, Labor sir. Labour Party conference earlier in the week. Jeremy Corbyn looking more and more like he believes... He's a prime minister in waiting. Don't get cocky, Jezza. Yeah, I had a great time, Tim. Pissed right up. Great Labour conference. It was like a victory parade for the losers. 
uh, this really odd mix of smug socialists waving their dicks around, looking forward to going back to a three-day week, the lazy fuckers, along with loads of politely smiling yet confused Blairites. Trying to get involved, but, you know, looking like they've come to a rave having left their MDMA on the kitchen table. Oh! You know, lo- loads of people waving the EU flag around, pretending it represents the promised land, and loads of lefties pretending they didn't vote leave. Loads of them. And, and lots, of, lots of elephants in rooms. You know what I mean? Oh. <laughs> oh, I don't. I don't know what he means, but I love every moment of it. Thank you for joining us. Hope you enjoyed the whole damn show. And I'll see you right back here next Wednesday. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>